I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And we're gay. And his NB. Episode number 77. Thank you all so much for listening to another episode of A Gay and His NB where we talk about everything that we're watching on television this week. Uh, we have a lot of stuff that we're about to get into. But before we do any of that, as we always do, a few housekeeping notes to get out of the way first. The first being that wherever you're listening to us currently, whether that be on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, anything in between, if you can take the time right now and go leave a rating and a review on our podcast page. Um, It's helpful in the sense that it helps us get into the algorithm and seen by more and more people, but also it gives us that feedback that we crave from each and every one of our listeners. So uh, stuff you want to see, stuff you are, you know, you love about the podcast, be sure to just leave that in the rating and review and we would be much appreciated. Um, So also you can follow us at a gay and his NB on all social media platforms, including Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and threads where we're posting new content every day, including clips from the podcast, as well as some of our instant thoughts on the stuff that we are watching. If you want that extra dose of a gay and his NB, you can check us out over there all at a gay and his NB. And you know, you want an extra dose. Who doesn't want an extra dose of us? Who doesn't want like an extra helping? Uh, uh, You know, when you see that, extra side you're like yeah i'm gonna do that go, go get you an extra scoop honey you good uh you can also if get merchandise from us over at again it's nb.threadless.com where we have a variety of different designs that you can get on t-shirts and mugs and stickers and just about anything in between um they're really great designs that merlin's put together and we would love for you to wrap us in any way that you can uh like i said go over to again is nb.threadless.com and pick up something today and finally if you have any questions for us that you would like us to answer on a future episode of the podcast be sure to submit them to the social media platforms that i mentioned before or at a gay and his nb at gmail.com um leave your name leave your question and we may answer that question on a future episode of the podcast babe what do we have on this episode this is going to be a fun one this is going to be a fun one we have the uh three episode premiere of the trader season two we binged it and we are ex- it's it's I'm so excited that we're going to get to review. Uh, it, uh, we loved last season. This one, I think, is going to be even better. Well, and I I like it because unlike last season, they didn't just give us all the episodes. They gave us three to start off, and there's eight more episodes. So we get the traders until March. Yeah. So I'm super excited for that. Um, so we'll be talking about that. We are also going to be talking about this newest episode of Married to Medicine. Lots of great things happening over there with our lovely ladies in Atlanta. Um, but before we get to any of that, let's talk Drag Race. Drag Race for this week, episode two. It's the second part of the split premiere. We get the final seven queens uh, to fill out this cast. Um, this was a fun fucking episode. Like, it really was. I'm interested to hear your thoughts. We watched it. So we had been, um, for like context, like, we had been out on vacation for like the last week. Um, and we had to sort of like binge things separately. We didn't get to watch a lot of stuff together. But like this I was a fascinating episode and it makes me incredibly hopeful in terms of like you know what i've kind of missed in terms of drag race i think like i i feel like we may have talked about this on the show before i don't know but i feel like there's this definite like push in reality tv across the board not just drag race but drag race i would say does it a lot of being a lot more quote-unquote family friendly or more sort of like you know about like you know personal growth and like you know it's sort of like there's not the conflict that you would have gotten in like the mid-2000s reality television that could people would argue today is toxic 
but I think has sure. its place. I mean, there. look, there's no New York on this cast. No. But there's someone that I think has the potential to get close, and yeah. that is Miss Plain Jane. Plain Jane, we'll get to her. Really, I, I don't know what is sort of like actively her decision, but I think she, if there is sort of like a decision on her part to sort of like really lean into this like villain persona, I think it's smart because, again, you differentiate yourself. I think there's a, there's a tendency when everyone is being so nicey-nice and sort of like – all that stuff to sort of just blend in together. Not to say that, you know, there's plenty of uniqueness between different Queens, but it's like when everyone's sort of in the same wavelength in terms of attitude, right? Like it can become very, you know, similar. Right. Um, I will point out, uh, I don't know if we talked about uh, kind of what became of all those allegations of plain Jane. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but, like, the person who made the allegations has walked all of that back. Um, and plain Jane and the person who was allegedly, like, the target of the inappropriateness have, like, they're fine. Everything's fine. Yeah. Nobody's angry. So we are moving forward as if that did not happen because... Yeah, yeah. I like if they're not mad, we can't be mad. Yeah. And I think like taking, even if it's like a matter of just sort of like, cause it seems like a thing in a performance, right? Like at least right. from what I've seen, I don't, I don't know if there was any sort of like backstage sort of. No, like, it was just something that happened during a performance. Yeah. And it's like, take, if anything, take stuff as a learning experience, maybe sometimes. And like, you know, but I think like, yeah, I, 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 I'm interested to see her, because thank God, by the way, that she didn't get sherry pied. Like, it, right. God forbid. Because, like, man, she is very crucial to this episode. Oh, like, completely. Yeah. So uh, let's start the episode. Uh, we Our first uh, entrant into the workroom is Hershey LaCour Jeté um, of the Jeté family, of uh, Cornbread being a fellow member. I really loved this look. I liked it, too. I thought the I thought it was one of her... We'll, we'll get to it later. There was a look, there was a look that I was definitely questioning later in the episode. But, like, I actually think she has, like, a... a her face is gorgeous. I think, like, there's a... Both her and another queen that I'll talk about, I there's a warmness to them that I really uh-huh. appreciate. And, like, there's a... Like, a personality that just immediately, like, comes through onto the screen that's, like, you know... It, it's... She she commands a room in many in different ways, you mm-hmm. know. Even though it might not be like in terms of drag necessarily. It necessarily, right. I really liked her. Um, we then had Plasma walk into the workroom. Plasma, I think we mentioned before, at least is Texan by way of New York. Texan by way of New York. Um, I again, I like this kind of like you know. I, I think like people were like critiquing it for being a little bit basic and sort of like, but I I think that's their drag, and I think I think we saw polish later. In, not, right. not to say that this was necessarily unpolished. Right. Who was it that was the guest on the pit stop this week? Uh, oh, Brittany Broski. <laughs> Brittany Broski talked about this look is like this is it's it's not like someone made a costume of the fifties. It looks authentic. It looks real. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. And that's something that kind of elevates her beyond other people that have had that kind of aesthetic. Yeah. And it's really really well done. And that's because she's worked in like real. Um, productions where they have to make authentic looking replicas. Right. Like the costume departments on Broadway are not joking. Yeah. And you definitely get that theater background yes. like in, in sort of everything that she does. I actually really like the, the, 
play that she had with Hershey when they were in the workroom together mm. just by themselves. Yeah. Like they had like a good sort of like back and forth like st- stuff like that. Like what did Plasma say about three names from she's from three states or whatever? And yeah. it's like there was a good like banter about that that felt yeah. like natural and not like super forced like where, you know. People can come into the workroom and just be like, oh, well, I'm here. And just be like, shady comment, shady comment. And it's like, you know, like, I get it. Like, you're trying to, like, sort of get that line in that's going to play in the episode or whatever. Oh, but, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we had Geneva Carr from Brownsville, Texas. I really liked Geneva Carr. I did not like this look. Oh, really? I liked it. I think it's a little basic, right? It's a silhouette we see all the time. Sure. And... Yeah, I love that she's celebrating her heritage. That's absolutely phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, like, I'm I'm tired of this big shoulder with a long sleeve with it just coming into the waist and then doing this little, like, gathered, pleated skirt thing down to, like, mid-thigh. And yeah. that's, you know, that shape we've seen 80 bajillion times. It's time for a new silhouette. I didn't mind it as much in terms of like it was her represent. I feel like she really represented her character going for like sure. going into the workroom. Like it's sort of like you don't want to go. I I don't like people who go too over with the entrance looks. Like right. I think it could be kind of like it's like blowing your load to a certain extent. Well, but you have to be you have to be careful about that too because sometimes the entrance look in recent seasons the entrance look has been used as part of a ball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the entrance look has been used as something else. Like so, you have to still serve it, especially if you're going to do like a photo challenge off the bat. You have to come in in something. That is a good look that is versatile that can get like messed up and mm-hmm. that be okay. Like you have to walk a very fine line and it also has to define who you are as a queen. So it's like it's very like entrance looks are very important. Yeah, I've got the sense like she's def- like sh- her being a Texan and, and yeah. her Hispanic culture is like very at the forefront. And I think that was in part, I think, why the silhouette was the way it was. It was like selena ask or like sort of like it was like kind of 80s 80s tejano yeah it, yeah i get that yeah it i and i i like what i was saying with like hershey like i i you really do get sort of like her like personality and sort of her warmness like from the onset like she yeah. definitely like you know she is i think a very inviting individual and i think i you know we'll get to like sort of like how things played out in terms of like who got into the top two this week oh boy and what happened with that but i actually think she you know ha- has the ability to be a front runner in the competition in in a way that like if she can find her mark and sort of like mm-hmm. you know stick to that yeah speaking of that controversy next in is plain jane <laughs> okay i love the i love this entrance look by the way the the sort of like black hair with the cheetah print boobs out sort of like yes. very sexy like yeah. fi- like very like s- skin tight like silhouette like i thought it was phenomenal i was bit i was a bit confused with plain jane sort of like as we go on because i had a very like set idea of what her aesthetic was from the meet the Queens and this and what she then does later. I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. It's you. I, I got like the sense of more like dominatrix, like sort of like very like, like like sexy but like serious sexy, not like serious, but like kind of more along. uh, striking. Here we go. Comparing Queens again, but kind of more along the lines of Violet. Yeah. 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 
That sort of like, yeah. Like, like a vixen sort of character. Yeah. Not like, vixen the drag queen, but vixen like that archetype. Like Dita Von Tees a little yeah. bit and stuff. And she mentioned being Russian. So it's like that element as well. And then when we get towards the end of the episode, it's just like, oh, it's just like dumb bimbo. Yeah. It was like, it was like she took Violet and Katya and then threw in Jimbo. Right. It was weird. But also, like, she specifically, like, came in and decided that her entire entrance was going to be a read of Katya. Right, right, right. And I was like, okay, you're going to come with one of the Drag Race mainstays, like, one of the most beloved queens that's ever been on the show. I get it's a fun joke to say, like, because it is, like, well, I'm also, I'm from Boston, and I'm actually, because right. Katya is also from Boston. But, right. like, so... I get why you would, like, do that, but it was also, like... But, like, you didn't have to shade. Like, you could have said... You could have said something along the lines of... I'm the bitch that Katya is cosplaying. Yeah, I think, like... I think she doesn't know how not to shade. (laughs) I don't know. Like, it does seem to, like, flow from her, like, breath. Like, it's just... Because, like, so she she tells them that she speaks Russian or whatever. And then, like, she speaks Russian and she calls one of... What did she call one of them, like, a piglet? Like, it was like, Jesus Christ. It was, like, pretty, like... And then, basically, like, she calls them bricks in the confessional. It was like, wow, okay, we're just really going at it. Like, again, like, I'm happy that she found the lane, so to speak. I wonder if this is actually her personality. Like, that was in the back of my mind to a certain extent. Right. Like, how much of this is played up for the show and how much of this is her in her everyday. Right. Then we had uh, Maya Iman LePage from Miami. What were your thoughts on this entrance look? Because I I found a lot of people being very divisive and I was confused. I loved it. I agreed with Plain Jane. Oh, you thought, because she was saying, like, the ball, or, like, the because she had, like, one of those, like, hair sculpture um, balls, and it was, like, off-center or whatever. I didn't notice that as much. I, well, specifically about, I didn't know, of course, it could make a girl look bigger. <sighs> Not because she's a bigger girl, but it, like, didn't, it didn't do what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Like, it's supposed to have a certain, like, shape to it, and she tried to, like flare out the but that just it didn't work it didn't cinch it didn't give any curves to it it just it was giving fredericks of hollywood sure i got very miami drag queen from it and i think that's maybe what i liked about it maybe and like maybe i just need to be more aware of miami the miami drag scene i'm just not really other than like a couple you TikTok are though vill- i was gonna videos. say well and that's as much as I. but know, it's mostly probably. her Sure. So is that really the Miami drag scene or is that just her? But I don't, unless I misremember, I don't think we've gotten a lot or really any like feature of that section. Like those Florida queens that are very into the stunts and the like sort of like. Because I mean, I've also seen the bitch. Splitting off buses. and like that one. Like that kind of stuff. I think that is a, I've seen that side, like like those clips go viral right nowadays, and it's like, oh wow, it's like it was a thing that like really sort of like mainstream drag to a lot of people in a different way, right? Like other than you know what they would get from like a drag race or whatever, right? So like yeah, I like I I'm happy that that element of drag is represented here. Yes, I just I didn't think that it necessarily looked the best, which is fine. Yeah. Like like you said, your entrance look doesn't have to be balls to the wall. Like it can just it can be, be balls a basic, on your head. <laughs> it could be balls on your head. It could just be kind of a basic look, and that's fine. I just I want to see 
where she goes from here. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. I hope, I hope there is more. Cause I mean, like, again, I wouldn't want to be against her in a lip sync, but like, um, there is a, that unending, que- that back of your head question of like, what is she going to do in like other challenges that are outside of that? Right. Um, then we had Megami from Brooklyn. Um, what were your thoughts on this entrance? Look, I, I, actually, I liked it. I actually liked it. I think, Megami's vibe is very um, Brooklyn. I will say this. Yeah. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how she plays throughout the season, only in the sense that, like, I think she has sort of this sort of, like, kind of underground, like, like, sort of, like, not mainstream vibe, like, and and sort of, like, intentionally not mainstream in Mm -hmm. a way. Um, I will, when we get to the, I hope she doesn't make the trend of these, like, sort of, like, under the knee, like, dresses. I want to see her in, like, I'm not saying she needs to be in, like, a gown all the time. Right. And because, like, yeah, you should have, not everyone should have the same silhouettes as they always do on Drag Race. Right. But I was, I was feeling like that was going to be, like, a trend for her when we get to, like, the talent show. And I'm like, I want to, I want to see her switch that up in, in a regard because it can read as a little... And I don't think it should, but like it can read as a little basic when, you know, it's a little like, you know, oh, that looks nice. (laughs) Like, well, it's, it's a little corporate, right? (laughs) A a little corporate. I would have, I would have been fine with this look. It's like corporate meets Catholicism. (laughs) Yes. I would have been perfectly, I was perfectly fine with it. I wish that it had like a little ruffle around the edge and that would have added that little hint of femininity that i was missing from it yeah i think it was because like it was so ornate like from like the chest up and then like it just like stopped yeah it was severe yeah and it needed a touch of softness Mm -hmm. just that little ruffle around the edge really number one it would have extended that a little bit and it would have given us some visual interest down there like when she moves it would ruffle and move a little bit it i think that would have brought the eye all the way up and down and she had a little bit of like a um, a, like a a rhinestone something like on her thigh, I think. Right, yeah, yeah. like a little like bro- not brooch, but like it was bigger than that. But but like- it was like a like a little rhinestone patch almost. Yeah. Um, and that added some, but I needed a little bit more than that. I needed something more down there, and I think that little ruffle would have helped a lot. Yeah. Um, and then finally into the work. Well, I w- there was some discussion by the in like w- of the girls that were there. Plain Jane makes some comment of like, "I hope the next girl trips" or something like that. And then all of them gather hands around the workroom table and actively wish for it. Oh, that's right. <laughs> and like the next second. Nymphia Wind walks in. Well, my question was, did Nymphia hear them and was just like, let me add this to the bit? I I don't know. I mean, maybe it was something that was like floated to them by a producer Mm -hmm. knowing that she was going to do that bit. Maybe like, I, like you know that that could have been something. Yeah, you got either a, way. It was fun. You got a banana on hand. I'm sure. Apparently, she does because it's <laughs> her thing. Oh no! I think that it was floated to Plain Jane. Oh, to mention that like, maybe. Hey, Plain Jane, ask her about her. <laughs> oh, mama! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. They try to drown me in the ocean. Um, no, but Nymphia Wind walks in in this like again to compare like Juno Birch like the stacks, very Juno Birch the the giant like Marge Simpson wig with the stack glasses on it yes you know, all yellow look slips on a banana peel and then reveals the whole like like she's basically selling watches out of her jacket but it's bananas and then, <laughs> I will say I hope she moves 
moves past the bananas after this I episode. I think she will. Okay. I think like I because th- I, I think w- when we get, we'll get to talk about it when it gets to the runway. But it was like I feel like the runway was also sort of like your signature to a certain right. extent. Like you wanted to deliver that. Um, I think she. I think she will because she does talk a little bit about like. Um, uh, her like Taiwanese culture uh-huh. and sort of like how that's going to play into like everything that she does. And like, I think we're going to see more of those elements as Good. well, but like, I thought it was a great intro. She seems hilarious and like, you know, just a fun time. I will say, um, um, I really enjoyed this photo challenge a lot more than I did the one last week. Yeah. So Rue uh, introduces herself, obviously, and then they go into the photo shoot and they have to go to the CMV uh, with uh, T.S. Madison running the photo booth. Fucking love it. Yeah. Fantastic. That was, and I liked it more in the sense that it was, I think, I feel like they kind of did this with the porch thing last season or last episode, kind of, but I love that it was like the challenge, the throwing them off was like, they were just throw adjectives or like right. characters at people and sort of like you had to sort of like pose with that. I and think I think that, that added a part I, to it. I think if they had had the packages down at the street last week yeah, yeah, and yeah, had yeah. them carry the packages up to the pork, up to the pork, up to the pork, <laughs> up to the pig behind the door, Rue is the pig behind the door, um, up to the porch, that would have been funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been you know, better. It would have them something active to do and then they could riff from there, but give them a starting point. They didn't, they just gave them a set and said, go have fun. And it's, it's kind of hard to do. Well, and, and also like, the, like linking it to like a photo. Uh, yeah. Doing a photo shoot at the DMV makes sense. As right. opposed to like, you're not, you're going to take photos from a ring camera. Like that's stupid. Like whatever. Like that's a, it's a fish eye. That's never going to look good. Um, but like, yeah, so it was a fun photo shoot. Uh, they're throwing stuff at them. A uh, fucking um, Maya falling asleep, waiting for her turn in the in the lineup was really fucking good. I, I, who knows if that was fake or if that was real? But either way, bitch work. Honestly, I believe it. Like it, it, it made sense. those things take forever. I'm sure. Yeah, but it was a fun photo shoot. Uh, Nymphia ends up winning uh, and uh, gets twenty five hundred dollars. Um, the challenge uh, they introduce is the well, I guess they were just like doing like it was a different theme to the same challenge. Why do they have to like do that? Were they just like we have Derek for another day or whatever? So like Queen Choice Awards, so she can still do Britney. Like I guess, but it was clear that they actually did film these in front of the other queens because we see her get slimed with the other queens oh, yeah, 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 off yeah. to the side. So clearly she was there that day. I was just under the impression they had filmed these like three weeks before or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure they didn't have her. Well, I think they filmed it in a batch. I'm sure they didn't have her like go on and on. Like it's a real fucking show. Right. I'm sure she came in after or before everyone did their bit and did the entrances. Right. Um. Once they also, and also I found it interesting once they get the news of like, the right the queen and like sort of how that's going to play into things like the way plain jane then tries to like switch on like from being like well i shouldn't have been like a total bitch for like the <laughs> last like 20 minutes like that was a mistake um yeah I'm, I'm gonna be your best friend or whatever like that was you know yeah can, oh i forgot to mention in the entrance uh go throughs can we talk about like geneva car being like yeah you guys might know me from tiktok um i'm known for making videos about my leg hair oh god i complete i blocked that out like 
Oh, like that has not come across my timeline. It's that's not, not come in, across mine. That's I'm not, not in my algorithm. I don't know if I want it to. I don't know that I necessarily don't want it to. I'm scared. <laughs> <laughs> Mommy, but I'm scared. I'm scared, but intrigued. It's kind of like when you like horror movies, but they still scare you. It's like that. Do I want to watch this? Is it, it's too late? Ugh, it's dark outside. Oh, I'm here alone. No, I really don't. No. Yeah. It's not. It's not great. Um. So they're getting ready in the workroom uh, for the talent show. In walks the guest judge for this week, Becky G. Um, me and Merlin had a long conversation in the car on the way here about, so I have no, Evan's a hater. I'm, a, I'm not a hater. I'm just old is what I've settled on. I'm he's old and cranky. Year, he's four years younger than me. Sure. But like, I just turned 30 in June, right? Like I had no fucking clue who Becky G is. And I've had, I've had this trend now where it's just like, I don't know anything about like it's he's like oh my god she's like new she's never been around before i'm like bitch she had she's been around for a decade how old is she when you said that i'm like she looks like she's 22 like you're saying she has a career of like 10 years that here's the thing we'll get to it when they they do the lip sync when the lip sync song came on i'm like oh i know that song but also i feel like it's one of those things where it's like i hear the songs in like commercials and like but i don't I, I don't care enough to sort of like look up new artists like nowadays. I'm set in my ways in terms of music and what I like and what I don't like. And it's like, I, if she I need to learn. She was born in 97. So, okay. But she, but then. So she's 26. But still, like, that's like, what was she on the Disney Channel? Like, what the, like, what? Uh, so she first gained recognition in 2011 when she began posting videos online, uh, covers, and then she was picked up by Dr. Luke. Uh, she was she <laughs> was she was one of the people who like while all of this stuff with dr luke was going on she actively dropped him and oh, walked good, away good like, for her like yeah it was a big thing but like she had she's had like a lot of really good she worked with uh pitbull some she worked with uh well i am um yeah, she's been around for a while. Yeah, I yeah, I like in that conversation we were having in the car. Like it was very like we Merlin is very uh, think I'm too uptight about like modern music and like I did I mean I did say I hate modern music. <laughs> in my defense, the words came out of his mouth were I hate modern music and I'm like, well, you're a hater. Well, it's just, I here's the, I think it's a lot with movies too. Like it's something about like certain like no one's remake no one's doing anything new now to me. Like I feel like it's all sort of like redone stuff and not really and you know this isn't even about becky g i guess i guess at this point i'm lumping her in but it's like i don't know i really do feel like i'm the old man on the lawn like what is the meme of that like harrison ford or whatever whatever like that like really old actor with in that movie where it's about like i feel like that person it's, at this point. it's weird because my brain goes well harrison ford's not that old he was just in indiana jones oh because I grew up watching Indiana Jones, even though it was way before my time. So, like, my brain still thinks of him as, like, late 70s, early 80s Harrison Ford. Right. Which he's not anymore. He's fully a 70-year-old man. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, sorry. I, real, I, I realized it also when uh, that clip that was going viral of Renee Rapp on Watch What Happens Live saying that she was an ageist. And I'm, and the fact that I got triggered by that, I'm like, oh, God, maybe something's happening to me. 
Um, well, we won't get into that. Um, let's go to some of our thoughts on the performances. We get to the Queen Choice Awards uh, talent show. Um, the first up was Geneva Carr, and she did an original lip sync song with sort of this like Latin. Um, uh, I guess it was mariachi, right? I, I don't want to get the. Uh, uh, I'm well because the dress was more like flamenco because it yeah, had all the. It like, was more flamenco than yeah. it was mariachi. It was good. I thought it wasn't like you know. I, I thought she again. I think her energy and her warmth and her smile does her very well. I don't think there was a lot of maybe like, you know, I wish there was some other added element maybe that could have like put it over the top. Right. It was a very good, but not exciting piece. Yeah. 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 Um, Nymphia Wind did a, a cultural dance, like a Taiwanese. Er, Stunning. Really great. I love the, whatever the, the technique is where like the, cause the long fabric that sort of like went in and out of the hands mm-hmm. and stuff like that. It was really impressive. And like, you know, I think it's one of the, I love when the, when Queens do something like that, they typically tend to not win with those like performances, but like, it's great to have them. Right. I think on that stage, like, you know, again, kind of like what we talked about with like Q last week, like doing something different. Like just like I get everyone has a song and it's like, you know, that's sort of the go to. But like, you know, mix it up a little bit. Yeah. And I appreciated that. Um, uh, I liked Hershey LaCorgite's, um number that she did. I thought the song was fun. Uh, the hair whipping stuff was, right. was really interesting. I'm and cool. with everyone else. I don't know why that bitch was in the jungle. Well, okay. So I think she the look meant to be safari. Well, in terms of the number, yes. I like the theme of the song didn't make any sense really in right. terms of that. But like people were also saying like what she was trying to do is like safari like um uh, expert or whatever read more UPS driver. Well, but and- but it's so here's It's essentially the same look. Here's my thought process, right? The only like it doesn't make sense to me, but here's me trying to make sense out of something that doesn't make sense, right? So the story of the song is her getting the delivery of the 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 stuff, the, the wig glue. Yeah. She gets the wig glue from a delivery person that she's dressed as, but that also reads a safari, so then she put it in the jungle. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's like that is a long walk, and I'm not getting it in a, in a minute. No, I'm, I, uh, uh-uh. I need more connection than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I need you swinging in on a vine and telling me how that's not going to pull my wig off because right, I'm like, using this like something. Like, tell me how like a lion's going to like rip it off right, your head or something. Or like, like, fight the 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 people uh, the the pit crew and have them dressed up as a lion or a tiger or something. Yeah, and I could battle jungle creatures, you know, and my wig stays in place. Like that is funny. I get that. Tell me that story, but I don't get this. Right. <laughs> I agree. Um, I think we both agree, though. Uh, I really liked Plasma's performance, and I thought it got absolutely. A, I, I don't think a, I, it got a, as much of a reception, at least from the stuff that I saw. Like people were kind of like being like, "Oh, it was." A, people were agreeing with the Michelle critique that it was like you got to did too much. But I was, I actually thought she weaved it pretty well. I agree, and made it about the fact that she was doing so much in a short period of time. Right, and I liked her explanation of it in that. Because I think in a confessional or something, she said, 
it wasn't about doing a one minute performance. It was about taking a two hour plasma show and condensing that into a minute. Yeah. I wanted to show you the breadth of my skills. And I, I was now, really, can I, oh, sorry. I thought it was really shady of Michelle to say, uh, something about we want to see we don't want to see you to be a, a jack of all trades but a master of none it was like bitch she mastered all of those what are you talking about yeah, yeah she yeah. mastered every single well, one of those can i have a question i have a question because i couldn't determine she wasn't singing live right she, she was singing to it she she was lip syncing to a track at least for the singing portion i don't think so i think was that an actual mic I think so. Maybe. I don't Because it was, well, because it, it was one of those old school, like, sort of, like, brassy mics, right? Right. Like, I, it seemed a little bit like she was lip syncing to a track, which I think is still impressive because it, it, I, I questioned it to where that tells me, like, it was a really good lip sync. Right. But, like, I, yeah, I, that, if the, if it was a lip sync, I can understand where it's like, well, there's a level of difficulty that you're leaving off. To but a certain extent. At the very least, the impressions were real. I had to think I have to think that they were real. And then a little gag of like RuPaul, and then she throws the card away and moves on. Like it's funny. Like I thought right. she like structured it well. I thought she did a very good job. I thought she did a very good job of showing um that she was someone that the other girls needed to keep an eye on. Because she she literally went out there and said, Bitch, every challenge we come across, I'm going to exceed. So you yeah. better get me out of here quick. And there was a lot of talk in the workroom about like her being the under. I can't remember if anyone else said that she was the underdog, but she was definitely like feeling the under that she was the underdog and not being talked about. Like everyone's thinking like, oh, plain Jane and Nymphia and all that stuff. And she right. was like, well, I'm here too. Um, and I thought she delivered in that sense. I, she delivered in that regard. Um, I could have seen her being in the top. Like I, th- yeah. you know, but also with the, how this thing works, we'll get to it. Mm. Um, my on the page, uh, did a lip sync and did some of her flipping stuff. She talks about how she's the queen of flips and stuff like that in her entrance and stuff like that. I thought this was really good. And I, th- I will say, I felt like she was, she delivered in a really great performance, but I also got the sense that she was also saving stuff, which I appreciated because you're going to need stuff for when you get to lip syncs. Like, sure. But it read as saving stuff. Oh, you did? You thought so? Yeah. Because to me, this this was exactly what I've seen on TikTok, which means production's already seen this. Mm. Rue's already seen this exact routine. Yeah, you have to sort of like suspend disbelief. So you, when Rue's like, wow, it's like you're allegedly looking at all the tapes. Like, right. So it's like, to me, you have to step up from what you submitted, but also still leave something in the bag so that it looks impressive and... We know that you're pushing the boundaries of what you've already shown the judges. Yeah. But you also don't want to let everything out yet. You have to walk a fine line. I like that she added a little bit extra to, because she has the box or whatever that she does the handstand flip onto, which Kennedy did on a talent show, I think, like All Stars 3. But I love that she added the added part of then going immediately from that into a split down onto the floor. Right. Like, it was like, I'm going to, I felt like there was a conscious choice in her head of like, I know this looks very similar to Kennedy, so I'm going to add an extra part to it. That I liked. Um... Then, oh, God. So let's get to Megami's. Do we have to? <laughs> I feel, it was a great message. Moving on. Yeah. Well, okay. And I'm not saying that this was her intention by any means. But I do, it did, 
I've had the thing in my back of my head where it's like, I am all for messages in terms of like your performance or like, like when Simone did her look on, um, where she had the bullet wounds in the back of the dress and stuff, that was really poignant and powerful and like, like exquisitely done. Right. This, I, I feel like I worry that there is a trend of like, let me put a like really powerful message in here. So it's like, they're going to soften the blow with a critique. Right. Like I want I don't I don't maybe think I don't know if Megami like actively thought that. But like maybe not. But let's take the but, message but out I, of it and I look appre- at the actual performance. Yeah, I appre- I'm just saying I appreciate Michelle being like the message is beautiful. Now to the performance. Yeah. Like, like her look was not where it needed to be. No. Again, very short mini black dress. If you're going to do a a gut-wrenching like sort of song that is supposed to be emotional and all of those things come out in a fuck you gown because the dress did the song wasn't even the, the correct was, choice for this I was right say you saying it's like the, this like emotional song. it was emotional because of the way it was slowed down and played right. but it's the hey yeah yeah, yeah. yeah I know. like that song is not like right so the song choice was not correct the wardrobe choice was not correct and so it just it felt very disjointed it was like, okay, so you lip sync to this song, great, and then you had a prop that was sitting there for ninety five percent of the of the show, which is just, just like words on an easel, right? It was just it was poorly constructed, and it actually undercut your message. Yeah, in my in my view, well, <laughs> and also in Plain Jane, I was gonna say Plain Jane definitely felt that because that she then Plain Jane then says in her confessional the. I was going to say shadiest thing. Shady doesn't is the, I think she said the most like gutter thing I've ever heard on drag race. Maybe gutter. She literally, cause the end it ends with like, it's like, you know, if you believe in queer art, vote for us or whatever. And then it says protect queer art. <laughs> Plain Jane is basically like, where's the talent? And then says, she says protect queer art, but is there anything in the art even worth protecting? And we were like, Oh my God. That's fucking crazy to say. But I, I also think it's, she it's was, essentially saying like your talent was so bad on this talent show. Like conservatives deserve to protest you. <laughs> like, <laughs> I yes, I get how it could be read that way. It is the, perhaps the most obvious way to read it. The way I read it was this doesn't is not good enough for what you're trying to do with it. Yeah. Which I think is probably what she intended if it is to believe that she just exudes shade all the time. So when she's trying to be shady, it comes up, comes out as gutter punch. Yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm excited to see more. Cause like, and also I'm excited again, I'm excited for the reunion. Like down, like I know that's like, you know, months from now, but it's yeah. like, I feel like it's really just going to be like everyone confronts Jalen. <laughs> Who here has been affected by the by the burn book? I mean, by Plain Jane. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sweet. Okay, so then let's get to Plain Jane and her number for this talent show. Can we not called Burger Finger? I I wasn't. Here's the, here's the thing. I wasn't. Now that I've like settled on it, I wasn't mad about the performance necessarily. It was fine. I thought it was – I was more annoyed with the critiques from the judges and how much they praised it and how much Rue laughed at this. 
Yeah. She's in a one of those like burger costumes that you get from like like Spirit Halloween, like there's yep. just uh, like burger covers and then she rips it off and she's got this latex red like not to, again, not to compare, but like Jimbo level like big tit look. Yeah. That says like burger finger on it and she's talking about, you know, doing all these like metaphors about like smelling it it was and then she squirts ketchup and mustard on her tits. That's apparently a talent. That here's the thing: you can praise her even necessarily for like you struck because you structured the number right. Like you like you were like I'm gonna hit this point, this point, this point, whatever. Fine, but it was just the way in which it was like I. It's so weird. I'm sick of this. Like we'll get to it also with her runway look, which I think was even more offensive. It's like it's just so weird. So we loved it. Okay, I can literally, I can take a jump on the stage. Is that going to be like, you know? No, 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 no. Remember Rock'em Sakura. But that, okay, but that's the thing. Oh, <laughs> that's the thing, though. It's like Rock'em Sakura made one fucking fart joke in her opening, <laughs> like, you know, number and was fucking reamed for it. But this is fine. And also, what does this say? Again, going back to it, what does this say about plain Jane's character in drag? Like, yeah. I don't think this is her vibe. It just, it, it's one thing when you are someone who is quote unquote able to do it all. Right. Right. Which again, for example, let's use Jimbo, right? Jimbo is able to do glamorous and this clown thing and like all these things in between, but she is still Jimbo throughout. And you truly believe Jimbo's passionate about this. Like, everything right. she does, she believes in. And I'm not saying Jane, Plain Jane maybe didn't believe it, but, like, I don't... This When I look... Again, when I look at her drag... Right. I don't see this. Right. Well, and that's that's my thing. Jimbo, from the second she walked onto Canada's Drag Race, we knew who Jimbo was. Right. From the second plane Jane walked in, she was a real Russian whore. Right. Oh, but wait, now she's doing this other thing. So it's like, who are you? Right. What are you doing? Like, it's like Willow Pill's talent show is phenomenal. But if, like, Jasmine Kennedy did it, I would be like, what are we doing? Like, right. She, like, she, like... <laughs> because it doesn't make sense for the queen. Yeah. I would expect... Um, Kennedy Davenport to get on there and dance her fucking ass off because that's who she is. And that's what she loves. Right. And that's her signature as a drag queen. That's not what Willow Pill does. So I expect something different from Willow Pill. Yeah. You know, so it's what is what is Plain Jane's signature? Right. It's clear that she is anything but plain. But if you're going to pick a flavor... Pick a flavor. Yeah, and I guess it's big tits. I don't like... But not always, because her walk-in look was not big tits. I mean, she had tits, but like... she Sure, but it's like... But also, I feel like just... And I, she doesn't know this, but like just coming up with All-Stars and like... Like, we just had so much of that narrative with Jimbo where it's like, it feels like a... Yeah, it, it feels derivative. Yeah. Uh, let's go to the runway. Uh, the category is Made You Look, but it's essentially reveals again, like last... Right. They just titled it differently, which... Yeah. Okay. Um, I I thought my favorite was Nymphia Wind. The yes. banana look. That wig was so fucking good. I was yes. so impressed by that wig. Yes. And like like 
it was everything I wanted to be. And I loved all the reveals. Like it was like, and her narrative of like, I love that she also talked about the narrative of like the progression of a banana. Like right. it wasn't just simply like, I started like green. And then like at the end, I'm in these like black droopy. <laughs> that part is hilarious. Like it's an element to it that I liked. Um, let's see. Uh, I don't have these in, in direct order, but, uh, Oh, Hershey LaCour Jete. I like this and I didn't mind the length. I, I, I understand the critique of the length, but I like when, when I saw it walk, I was like, this is gorgeous. I didn't focus on the length. Sure. I didn't mind the, the length. I did mind the him. It was weird. Like it wasn't the placement of it. It was the fact that it was like slightly gathered. Yeah. Roger was saying on um, fashion photo review that it also wasn't lined. So it read oh, cheaper. That, that's probably what it was. And so like I, maybe that, uh, I thought it looked great. And like it, I thought it for the most part hugged her skin in a really beautiful mm-hmm. way. And it was that milky chocolate color. Yeah. That, like really popped. I really wish that she had explained that it was. It was poking fun at the chocolate bar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because that would that I think would have endeared her in that look. I, it, I what I'm getting at with the hem is it looks like there's a string tied inside the hem mm-hmm. that is slightly shorter than the fabric, so it is slightly pulling. Okay, at it and making it cinch but only slightly and it's like just doing this weird wrinkly wavy thing yeah go back and look at it it looks weird um plasma came out as a pin cushion which i thought was a good sort of like uh you know concept to go based off of it did read ladybug in the beginning where i was kind of like oh god but no when she like when she and she had like the pants and like the 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 reveals were really nice i thought in, in many regards i thought her makeup was great i really i think she I think she was definitely underscored in many regards. Very much in in both <laughs> in both judges and the and with the queens. Um, Maya Iman LePage. This was nice. I it, it was a little too like. What was the look again? It was like a. It was basically a big um, coat thing that then revealed to like this like swimsuit. Oh right, that, that she took yellow. off like right at the beginning. Ra- Raja and Raven on Fashion Photo Review because I think Hershey also took hers off really quickly. Was like. Bitch, get to the end of the fucking stage and then take it off. Right. Like, you, like you're just, like, blowing your load, like, in the... Yeah. Yeah. It, there wasn't any, like, sort of, like, wow element to right. it. Right. I need to be able to see what you're revealing from, because then it's not a reveal if I don't see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Megami, I thought... <laughs> I actually didn't mind the look. I didn't I didn't think it was as messed up as, like, like, like crapped up, so to speak, as, like... Pe- you know, I could see that, but like, I actually liked the full look overall. Like, it was one of those like basic, like the real life presentations of angels, like when right. you actually like, or they're described in like actual like text and stuff like that. But I think it's a little cheap to say I have a reveal, and it's just that my eyes have or my hands right. have eyes in them. What I would have really enjoyed is if she came out and like. Like, all of the accoutrement, like, folded down behind her, right? Mm-hmm. To where it was, like, tight. And then she came out in, like, a white robe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a traditional look of what an angel is, like. And then said, this is what they really look like. Right. That's and then, a- like, the, her hood is, like, over her face. And then she picks her face up at the end. And you see all of that makeup. Yeah. And then drops the white robe and the wings and stuff flurl out behind her. That would be fucking epic. Yeah. And I wouldn't care that it's a plain white robe. Even right? If you, even if you did something with the wings. Right. Like, even if there was some element of that, like, I thought could have. 
right. lent it more to it being a reveal. It did feel like I had this look and it's like, I'm going to paint eyes on my hands. And, right. And that's going to be my reveal. Um, Geneva cars. I liked, it wasn't my fate. I get what she was doing. And right. like, I think it was like doing this more sort of like brochacho sort of like male vibe with right. like the sort of like traditional Mexican like suit and then revealing to something more like feminine right. and traditional and, um, uh, what not Encanto. What is the movie that it's like, it was reminding people of the, the Encant- no, um, 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 you know, talk about Bruno. Yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, what is that? Is it Encanto? Maybe. Yeah, Maybe I don't know. I haven't seen it. Sorry. I yeah. But um, I I thought it was pretty. I thought, but it was also like maybe a little subdued for Drag Race. I was really happy that it um that it uh she didn't have to take anything off. It was one of those. That it was that, all one piece. It was all one piece. I like. I love a reveal. That after the reveal, you can't tell there was a reveal. Yeah, that's impressive. There's no fabric on the ground. There's nothing. It just completely envelops itself into the new look. Yeah. Fabulously done. Okay, and then we had Plain Jane. I was so, pissed. I was anyway. pissed about this. I'm sorry. I was really annoyed. This the I didn't now that I look back at it, I didn't really have that big of a problem with the talent show. I had the problem with this. Yes. And the critiques of this. She starts out with this like frozen, like she's in frozen with this like giant, like wintry sort of like ice witch, like cape or whatever over thing. And it's like, okay, cool. And then she builds up and then she takes off the cape. And then she's like a slutty Boston, like football fan with like jean shorts. that like are like Daisy, co- Dukes. Daisy Dukes and like her tits like out with like a, like Letterman and the foam finger. And it's like, isn't it weird that it's so different? No. Well, like... I feel like fucking Fifi O'Hara. Well, no, no. Here's the... It is, <laughs> it is weird. But, like, the idea that the judges gave her a pass on that pisses me off, actually. Yeah, I feel because like Fifi O'Hara from, from All-Stars 2, where she's like, why are you acting like this is a good look from Alyssa? It's yeah. not... It's not... You would be critiquing this on literally anybody else. Literally. Like, not to shit on Alyssa Edwards, love Alyssa Edwards, but, like, Fifi was right. Yeah. It's like, if any other queen, any other, I could literally see the critique of just, like, what does one look have to do with the other? Right. That's confusing to me. Instead, they were like, we didn't know what one look had to do with the other, and that's so weird, and that, and because of that, we love it. What? Like. <laughs> I bonkers it was crazy it was really it was really annoying actually and this was the epi- i mean i i this was the episode that ross was there too carson was there last week so i was like i this is the episode that fucked me up with the judging makes sense. <laughs> um yeah you know that thing of where you're out in the in the cold and you're just you're you're just an ice princess and then you want to go to a football and then game you want to go to a football game oh my god yes oh my god it was, Fuck you, Ross. Jesus Christ. I don't even know if he did something like that here. I was just so angry. <laughs> yeah. So then, so the queens go back to do their rate of, their rate of queens, and it's kind of going in the process of norm of last week's. And then we get to Plain Jane's, and she says, so my number one for this week is Plasma. And I'm like, oh, so she actually thinks what we think? Okay, cool. And then she was like, my second is my Iman LePage, and we were like, what and then she's basically like yeah i'm putting the le- the the people who did the worst on top to fuck with this system and honestly i hate it i hate it but i get it 
I get it, but I hate it. Like, I just, I can't. Here's the thing. Like, I wanted, I need to know how this is going to play out when everyone comes together and they get to, like, the 14 queens and all that. Because also, are you going to rank 13 people? Like, how am I supposed to differentiate, like, whatever. But, like, I, yeah, I mean, she could break, she could really break the system, like, before it even starts at the gate, like, in terms of that. Yeah. And she puts, like, Nymphia at the bottom, and it's like, okay. But I think it really did fuck up, like, the and it got her into the top two. Like, it really did. I don't think Plain Jane was going to be in the top two if it wasn't for what she did. Maybe, but, like, you have to figure the, like... There's only seven of them, so like three had to have voted for like, like a good number had to have voted for Plain Jane for her to be up there. I bet Plain Jane was probably like third. I can get. I, I bet she was like third in the rankings, and I think Nymphia and probably maybe maybe Plain Jane was actually second. Actually, now that I look at it, like she might have been, but like, yeah, like. I it, I will say I probably boosted Geneva. I would say I think Geneva was maybe like third or fourth. Yeah, and then like got boosted because of that. Yeah, I, well, I will say if she had put Nymphia where she thought Nymphia deserved to be, Nymphia might have been in the top. Oh, Oh, one thousand percent. Yeah, like I I think that was pretty clear. Uh, but no, the it is as I mentioned, plas uh, or not plasma, plain Jane and Geneva Carr. Uh, they come back onto the main stage for the lip sync, uh, where they lip sync to "Shower" by Becky G, uh, which I when they play, I was like, I love this song. It's just like, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know why? You know the difference. You actually like modern music. You just don't look it up when you hear it. Maybe I do. Maybe and then that I is add what it to it my is. playlist. Because to me, it's always on TikTok or like, like I said, like a Target ad or whatever. And then like, I, you like that Target ad that was like living rent-free in my brain for like a month <laughs> literally it was consuming merlin's life the, i never knew it was all through christmas and it was like terrible and then i actually went and found the song put it on my playlist and now looky there it's yeah. out of my brain i hear it every once in a while in my playlist and that's it right uh but they lip sync it was a good lip sync it wasn't anything like completely memorable the big gag is more than Pla or uh, I keep saying plasma. Plain Jane's uh, tit comes out at one point, or fake breast and her nipples like poking out, and like everyone's laughing about it. And then she realizes it halfway through. And I I don't know if she was intentional or not. Like I I thought like did she intentionally do this? But like when she like was like oh god god god, it like it felt real in a way that it made it funny. Yeah, but also I think see this is kind of what makes me think that this is a character because the character that I expect the reaction I expected from her character mm -hmm. is to notice it and pull the other one out. Oh, that would have been funnier. Yeah. Like that's what the character she's presenting us would have done. And then she does the complete opposite reaction. It's like, you can't sit here and act like your character is this. Like, Aloof, uh, like, bimbo flashing my tits all over the place and then when one falls out you're like oh my god i'm so embarrassed that's yeah. not how your character would react no 
Yeah, I agree. I, I, your idea is better. She's, I know. <laughs> She's when comment. I say things, I know. Yeah. I'm correct. Um, but Plain Jane ends up winning. She gets $5,000 and immunity from a future elimination. Still don't know what that means. Still don't know what that means. Um, but so next week, we're going to see everyone come together again. I believe they're doing a ball, so that should be interesting. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and, and hopefully we'll figure out more with this immunity stuff and, like, how that actually is going to work out. Do you think that it's if they lose a lip sync, they just don't go home? That might be a better way to go about it. But then why even be in a lip sync? Like, like if, the, if you're going to be in a because lip sync. Because the other person like, can still go home. I, I mean, if you want to send them home, like, in, actively, I guess. Like, yeah, that's fair. But if the person doesn't. If the person wins, then the other person goes home. If the person loses, then they just don't go home. No one goes home. Right. Yeah. Possibly. Again, it's they really made it confusing in a way that I, I have a lot of questions about. Yeah. But we'll see. Um, but, yeah, we'll be talking about that next week. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break, though, and when we come back, we're talking the first three episodes of season two of The Traders. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, you know, Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can combine that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. Do you want something new to put on your reading list? Are you feeling your holiday spirit grow while also being astutely politically in tune? Then you'll want to pick up The Santa Strike, a new book by Shanna Hammaker. While home in Midland, Texas on a weekend visit with the eccentric uncle who raised him, Marion Wachlowski, otherwise known as Mary, discovers a long-forgotten letter Uncle Joe wrote to Santa Claus. Mary keeps it to share with his girlfriend Lindsay and his best friend Tommy, at first, they consider the letter to be nothing more than a silly lark. What kind of grown man would write a letter to Santa? But soon, Mary and Lindsay find themselves caught in a much larger mystery concerning many, many more letters to Santa, all surrounding the crisis of gun violence in America. You can order The Santa Strike now on Amazon, available both on Kindle and in paperback. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com Welcome back to A Gay and His MB. Let's head on over to Scotland where titans of reality television come together to discover who amongst them are the traitors. On the traitors, season two, <laughs> excited! I'm I'm so pumped that we're going to get to review this. Honestly, because we yeah. were, we we were kind of I, I think we were like a, maybe a month or so actually late to like the traitors like sort of phenomenon. I'm like, let's watch it, and it's, it was fucking great the first season. Well, and again, they dumped it all on us at once last season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this season, we get to really experience it you know, drawn out, which I think is really the way you should do like this sort of reality television, right? Uh, there's like a community of like discussing it every week online, getting to talk about it on podcasts. So it really makes it more of a 
of a experience. Right. So for those that are unaware of the sort of concept of this game, um, it's basic. What is the, there's like a, there's a game that's like, there's like of. two different games. That's basically the same thing, which is either werewolf or mafia. Yeah. Um, which basically is there's secret bad guys and they're taking out the good guys. Um, and the good guys have to figure out, who the bad guys are and get rid of them before the bad guys kill them all off. Right. So basically, uh, Alan Cummings, who is the host, uh, the, the format essentially is that in the first uh, bit, you have 21 people who uh, will sit at a round table, you blindfold them, and then he picks a certain set of them as traitors. They, their goal is to make it to the end of the game, as Merlin mentioned, and if one or all of them make it to the end of the game, they split the prize money. If uh, And the only way that any of the others who are called faithfuls, who are not tra- traitors, the only way they can win is by eliminating all of the traitors. Right. So if there's any traitor left, then they're completely screwed. Sari winning last season of Survivor alum was like, you know, her pro- her path sort of going through that was really well done in terms of all that. I haven't watched any of the like UK and like, I think Australia has a version of this as well. And so I, I, I want to see how like well tested, like the, you know, cause it seemed like there was a, there's a formula. If you nail it down, like perfectly yeah. you can sort of like get get around all this stuff and i th- i feel like we're going it's going to be a little more messy this season which i really appreciate also this season la- cuz last season was half people from reality television or sort of like pop culture stuff you know and, and half civilians half civilians this is just all people who are celebrities which i think is more correct yeah because i think last season um we had some people who like who was the the redheaded guy last season who was a traitor? Oh, Christian. Yeah, and he was a civilian, but like he really like he ended up having um like a lot of mental issues afterwards, like having to live in the mind of a traitor and like that kind of took over his personality after oh, the show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um at least that's what I'm remembering and it's like like you got to people that are in reality television already who are kind of used to that that's those are really the people who need to be doing this sort of psychological thriller type game right especially ones that put that sort of power secretly into people's hands where they have to like backstab people and it's like it's really difficult to do um not for me i'm a psycho but you know like <laughs> I'd be stabbing people in the back and hugging them to their face. So, yeah. like, I'd be doing the Phaedra thing. Phaedra is running away with this whole damn thing. Oh, by the we'll way. get we'll get to it. Yeah, it's I really I really think so, and I think she's definitely being undercounted. Yeah, like okay. So, and I also really love the added. I'm like, I don't think this was in the first season where like they do like this montage where I guess like Alan sat down with each of them to like kind of interview them mm-hmm. to like it, it was almost as if like I'm getting a judge on like who if I should make you a traitor like which I thought right. was an interesting like way to add to that sort of like stuff because there were some people being like i'm not gonna there were some people that actively told i'm not gonna be a good trader like yeah. i'm i'm you know but like i thought that was sort of a cool way to go about it yeah like, i also enjoy all of the the b-roll they have of these people like oh my god like when they're waiting to be murdered or whatnot and they're like just laying in their bed janelle's like, like sipping wine <laughs> larsa reading a book which was such a choice like larsa she's not reading a book reading 
And also, the, oh my god, when she grabs the, the 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 B-roll scene where she grabs the picture of her and Marcus and like holds it to her chest, it's Holy like Holy shit. Give really? her an Emmy. Jesus Christ, the acting. Like it's, it's, So let's talk about this cast. Okay, well, do we want to talk about the traitors first and sort of like the the, the three? Sure, yeah. Well, I was going to say three, um, but it starts as two. It starts as Phaedra, which is obviously she is known from Real Housewives of Atlanta. Uh, she also uh, was on Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip season two in the Berkshires. Right. Been on Dubai and now currently on Married to Medicine. Yes. Which like, and like... When they put when Alan put his hand on Phaedra's shoulders, we were just like, "Oh, thank God! Like this is perfect." I needed at least one of the Bravo people. Yes. Like it couldn't be. Well, you you weren't going to do all the sort of like Big Brother Survivor people. Like right. you needed someone who was a little bit of a rogue agent. And I feel like Phaedra. But I feel like Phaedra. Dan kind of talks about this where it's like Phaedra has those elements to her, but it's different. Yeah. Like it's not the same as like a lying. The lying and scheming you do on Housewives is different than the lying and scheming that you do on Big Brother. And you need both in this game. Yeah, you kind of do. And like, well, and I also think actually one proves a little bit better than the other. So the other person uh, who's selected as a trader with Phaedra is Dan Geesling, who won Big Brother 10. Uh, was runner-up on Big Brother 14. He's considered basic. He's basically, by all intents and purposes, considered the best Big Brother player of all time. Yeah. Like, and he th- he was one of the ones where it's like I feel like, I am a little shocked that well, I am shocked that who is finding him, who is finding him suspicious, and who isn't. Right. I am shocked that Sandra and and Janelle and sort of all those that people who are of the I guess the CBS sort of and who know who Dan is extensively aren't confused about how Dan is moving throughout the game. Larza and um MJ who is from Shaws of Sunset uh are picking up that he's very he's acting very quiet and that it's suspicious. But my thing is like it's particularly suspicious because it's Dan. Dan is Dan is underplaying, I would say, in this early going in terms of how he would typically play the game, play these kind of games. Okay, because like, like, I didn't know that. I I didn't have no watch clue his with. season of Big Brother. I know of him by reputation, but that's about it. So I also think what he's kind of struggling with, and maybe doesn't realize at this point, he well, he's definitely being presented as he's doing really well. But I actually think he's making a lot of mistakes that he's now realizing. Dan's Dan's biggest strength when he was on Big Brother is he is a master at making other people do things. He's yeah. a master at sort of like getting people on their side, convincing them to do certain actions and to like backstab this person, whatever, and sort of play in the background. The problem is this isn't really what that game is. Right. This is just about not getting caught. Right. And I think he doesn't know how to do that. I think he, I think he is not having a lot of, con- well, he is having a lot of like private conversations with people and moments to where I'm also confused as to why people are not picking up on the fact that he's like, he's talking to me a lot privately, but like in the groups, like when we get to the round table, yeah. he's pretty quiet. Yeah. And that to me, well, that, that, that to me rings true. It's easier for me to talk on a one-on-one or in a small group than it is in a large group. Right. So for me, I understand why that would be your personality. I don't know if that is Dan's, and from your reaction, I'm guessing it's not. No. But I can at least – that to me doesn't 
set off alarm bells. Yeah. And it was so, it's so fascinating to me throughout the process so far in these first three episodes. It's a lot of, and it was kind of this way the first season as well, where it's like, you looked at me weird. So now I think you're a traitor or like, oh, you may look at like peppermint slipped up and actually said traitor when she meant to say faithful. It must mean that she's a traitor instead of like act like they, to me, it's like, no guys, that's not the point. Like you, the, the point is not like these little in, in, eccentricities right. the point is how someone moves throughout this game right and to me it's like we're at the point now where it's like we've had two people banished and two people murdered at a certain point i if i'm a faithful i'm like okay so what's the connection between all these people if i like if i'm assuming the role of a traitor why would i eliminate why would i take out these people right well to me it seems like they're playing this like it's a murder mystery yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, I guess that's kind of the theme and the set dressing, right? But at the end of the day, this is something where the traitors are selected against their will. Mm-hmm. So you can't use their personalities as evidence of whether they're traitors. They didn't choose to be traitors. They didn't walk in and, like, pick up a thing that made them a traitor. Right, right, right. They became a traitor. They were chosen to be a traitor. This is what they're doing. So, like, you can't use, like, well, like, this person's really shifty and, like, they have, like, this anger towards this other person. Okay, that might out in the real world mean that they might kill that person. But, like, in here, they have to have been chosen to have the ability to kill it. Like, it's not evidence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stop it. Stop. Why are we doing that? Well, and the fact that in the... the as soon as the first round table where the traders are selected gets finished, it literally becomes this person coughed or, or had this like, like breathing noise or whatever. So right. I think like they got nervous when Alan touched them or what was it that Larsa said about poverty was like, like that, like I felt Alan's hand move like this way or something yeah. like that. And it's like, I, I mean, I get it when it's like minute one, that like those are the things you're throwing out, but it's like, you know, but I mean, those are at least evidence based. There's at least some sort of indi- like, sure, someone's might catch their breath when somebody touches them on the shoulder if they're not expecting it, or if they're actively expecting it, and it's like the anticipation. Right. So, like, I get that. I get why that might be evidence. I get why hearing the rustling of fabric in the direction where a shoulder might be, you know, like that can be evidence, but. There's no evidence of, well, this person's not talking enough. Right. That's not evidence. I mean, sure, they're pointing at the right person, but, like, that doesn't mean it's evidence. Like, that's not proof. Sure. The only proof you have are the things that the producers are making sure you are not getting your hands on, which is you can't see or hear when someone is leaving their room in the middle of the night in order to go to the tower. You cannot see, like the extra cloak and whatnot that they have in their room because you aren't going in each other's rooms or production has that or whatever. Like those are actual pieces of evidence. Yeah. I just find it. Like I said, I just find it interesting that it's like Larsa and MJ have figured out the traitor, at least one of the traitors. Right. And they're the only two that really have. And like, Everyone else who are these like experienced, like fucking Sandra was like willing to vote for Maxim uh, at that round table based off of just like a look at some point. And it's like, Sand, like, it's crazy that these like super experienced, like well-respected, like known for their strategy gameplay 
are like not doing as well as like these this like housewife like that used to sure but i wouldn't say that they figured out who the i would say that they blindly threw a dart at a dartboard and happened to land on bullseye you know they didn't figure out shit i don't know about that because there's no evidence in their argument i get what you're saying but like i think larsa was picking up on stuff from there was like and i guess i'm kind of saying this what like the whole like look stuff like that at one point like because so at one point, Larsa is like really you know, focused now because Marcus has been killed, right? Her her uh, boyfriend, and so like now she's very determined to like get a traitor out and focus on this. And so they had narrowed down the fact that it's a man that at least one of them is a man. I you know which I mean sure no evidence there either. I mean pr- probability, <laughs> you know, but like. And when she's questioning Dan about it, I don't think Dan comes off well. I actually think Dan, to an untrained eye, looks very, like, coy and looks very, like, has moments where he, you know, I'm just, and I'm, again, I'm just shocked that Janelle doesn't see that, who has done Big Brother with Dan. Yeah. Like, you know how Dan moves. You know, I just don't. But she also knows that this game is not suited to the way that he moves so she may not be looking for that sure that that's possible let's also add that so we we started with dan and phaedra but the alan tells them that they then have to that the trailer the, the well he doesn't say how many trainers but that because it could be any number right but that they must then recruit another person as a trader so dan and phaedra go to the um tower or whatever to sort of discuss everything they end up coming with uh poverty they were kind of between like poverty, Sandra, Janelle. Dan's logic is that he wants poverty to kind of do like the dirty work that she'll make like bigger moves to where like if she like she'll be the one to sort of like falter and get found out. I think it's very interesting. Dan is playing a very selfish game as well. Yeah. And I think poverty is starting to pick up on it. I think Phaedra is eventually going to pick up on it that it's really all the choices that they are making at this point only benefit his, his game. It doesn't really benefit anyone else's. Well, he like, cause one point Sheree's name gets brought up as someone to be killed and not, and we'll get to it later, but it's in a moment where like Phaedra, Phaedra's not there and poverty's like, well, what about Phaedra? And he's like, whatever. Like, so what? Like, yeah, at this point, like he doesn't really, he's only, care, he's only focused on himself, but it really would, if that were to happen, would protect Phaedra because no one would suspect that Phaedra would target Sheree. In a sense. I mean, you're not including... I mean, it, I did find it interesting that they weren't including Phaedra at all in that matter right. and sort of were willing to go through it without seemingly ever consulting her. Yeah. And so, like, that... Yeah, he... I, I think Poverty is at a certain point realizing that Dan might cut her. Yeah. Because that was the other interesting part last season where it's like it does get to a certain point where like when does a trader become a liability to the other traders? And sometimes the traders will then throw that trader under the bus. And, right. like, you know, like that is incredibly like, you know, volatile, I think, in this current situation. But like you said before, I think they are underestimating Phaedra a lot. Yeah. I think Phaedra is going to go completely under the radar and can very much make it to the end. I think Dan and Poverty – their reputations alone would make you think they're a traitor. They're right. like they're an instant sort of like threat in terms of that. Phaedra, I also realize Phaedra's biggest strength is how she moves throughout the house because the 
her attitude and her speaking voice and sort of like the way she presents herself when she's lying and when she's telling the truth is exactly the same. Correct. Like, unless you are someone who has watched her, you can't really tell. No. And even as someone who has watched her for years on these shows, it's still difficult to tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like you kind of have to really squint your eyes at her like all the time and question everything that she says. And then you might get close to the truth. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's still, like, Phaedra's playing a phenomenal game here. Oh, yeah. And she's definitely playing, I don't know, I feel like she's also very intentional in sort of playing slightly passive to Dan right now. Like, she's allowing Dan to sort of make more moves in terms of certain things. And I think Dan feels like he's kind of playing her in certain regards, and I think he's, you know, wrong in that. And I do think it's interesting, and we'll talk about it next, uh, in the next segment as well. I'm seeing a lot of echo between the way that Phaedra is moving here and the way that she's been moving on Married to Medicine this season. You you said that, yeah. And it's just, it's very interesting because it's like, why is Phaedra like letting herself move to the background and not really super active in the drama of this season of Married to Medicine? Why is she doing that? And it's because she was letting Quad be Dan. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she stepped back. She was like, I'm coming in as an outsider here. I know how to do this. And much like in the case of Quad, once she realizes there's no need for her. She cut her. Yeah. Yeah. Whether that was deserved or not, whatever. But like, yeah, that's what happened. She realized her power aligned on that show with the rest of the cast, not with Quad. Yeah. Can I also, before we get into sort of the uh, the um, kills and the and the uh, uh, banishments and stuff like that so far, what do you think about the added element of the shields? So they added this into the actual like challenge portions of it. Right. They had had a couple shields last season. Did they? I couldn't remember. Remember they had the treasury that you could get into that had shields last season oh, towards the last half? Yeah, I remember that now yeah yeah yeah. Um, but now they're planting them in the game in the challenges and then people have to make the option or make the choice do i participate in the challenge actively or do i take time away from the challenge to make sure i secure my shield right and it could make you you know it can make people look against you because you're not aiding in challenges it can also be a way for a trader to sort of like protect themselves in moments to say like oh look i'm going for a shield i'm clearly faithful or whatever like I th- I think it was because some people were critiquing like there there wasn't really an like a point of the challenges last season. People were saying like there was like why are they doing this stuff for money? Like I get to build the pot like 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 it's good to build the pot or whatever, but it's like it's not like the mole for example where the per- there's a person trying to sabotage you. I wish there were those elements though for this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wish that there was actual hints. Like, I wish that the traders were doing things to sabotage. But at that point, what's the point of the traders doing that? Because they're cutting their own money, too. Mm-hmm. Or maybe maybe the point of that is you're, any money that you keep the group from getting, you're putting into a traders-only pot. Or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some like the mo- money you cost them will be added onto right. you know something like yeah that's a yeah that's a good point um i 
I also liked the, I really liked the challenge where it was all about sort of like the questionnaire, the one with the scarecrows and stuff like mm-hmm. that, to where it became about like information and sort of like what people uh-huh. were sharing and what people were thinking. Well, and it made people paranoid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a really good sort of game for the. I also liked the little um, the the like lumberjack man that like lugs a piece of the challenge off that morning towards wherever they're oh yeah what's his name? oh he has a name he does have a name it's like but like like you'll see him Phineas or something yeah you'll see him um like dragging a scarecrow off or like carrying a tombstone over here and it's just it's just a cute little funny but like also slightly ominous sort of thing yeah also can we talk about they're giving them so much rope in terms of these challenges that first challenge where they had to construct the puzzle in the water and stuff uh-huh. like that i was like you're giving them so much aid because this looked like a shit show like yeah. in terms of like how they were doing it and it was like one second left and they got it it was like okay i, I was- feel like the timing of it was maybe added afterwards for well i mean i think the timing was the timing but i think it was not in sync with the video we were seeing right that makes sense well and it, it was fascinating because you had these challenge and survivor people and big brother people too in right. particular who were known for doing this stuff and then you had these rogue agents basically like not yeah. having any experience with this stuff so like five people are talking while they're trying to put the puzzle and ct's in the water being like one fucking person my god like fucking- yeah well it, it's wild to me that in the second challenge in the graveyard the person that figured out the fact that the the but the light the spotlights were moving in a pattern was Bergie. He's from Love Island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he's never done anything like this. And Lars is just like shutting him down. Like everybody. it's like everybody else is screaming. The lights are not in a pattern. They aren't a thing. The pattern's not real. And it's like shut the fuck up. They are. Like <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> I know. We'll we'll get to everyone uh, later. But it's like I feel bad for Bergie actually. Like yeah. I knew nothing of him, but I'm like oh. Um, so we, to go through also the ban- so the first banishment that they do right off the back is Johnny bananas, which we were kind of like, uh, I, no, I, he was killed. Oh, that's right. He was killed. Sorry. Yes. Um, but like that, and also by the way, the shields only protect against the murders. They don't protect against Correct. the banishments. Correct. Um, so the, so bananas gets, um, killed. Uh, that's Dan and Phage's first move. I thought that was a smart move in many regards because Bananas is very rogue and like it. It also like put targets, I think, on CT and Trishel's backs and like sort of like it was a good like decision off front. And we, you mentioned you were happy, happy at least in the sense of like we've seen Bananas all the way a lot through House of Villains. Yeah, I just got finished watching him on a full season of House of Villains. I don't need to see him on this again immediately. Um, this might have been the worst Bananas has placed though on a reality show if i maybe first out yeah but like it's interesting because it also is a big we're not fucking fucking around right now from the traders it is a big message being sent to the rest of this cast like it doesn't matter how much money you could potentially add to this pot if we want you gone you are gone period right and i think that that really like upped the ante and like made people go oh fuck this is like they're not kidding they're not fucking around and so i that to me was really interesting right 
Um, but the other kill before we get to the first banishment that's in between, the other kill was Marcus Jordan, right? And that was and left literally poverty being like Larsa is going to spiral once we do this. I I, well, I literally predicted that they would do this early in the season and leave Larsa to spiral, leave her to absolutely unravel. But it's unravel. so weird. She didn't unravel that much. She was like, oh my god, it's I'm only been one day. She was like, I don't want to cry and ruin my makeup. Basically, it's <laughs> only been one day give her give her a couple episodes <laughs> sure but like i thought it was and and marcus was kind of marcus was on the right path like but the problem is he had like been vocalizing that to dan and so right. as, as soon as dan had saw that he's like he's gotta go like, yeah well it's smart because they got rid of marcus who was on the right path but not there yet and not vocal about it Whereas they don't really have that same option to get rid of MJ and um, uh, Larsa. Larsa, who have already been vocal about it. So now, so they were able to cut people from joining that camp without drawing attention. Right. Because nobody knew Marcus was on that. There was one other person in that conversation with Dan and Marcus. I think it was Peter. Like and I and I'm yeah. and I was hoping that he would maybe figure that out of like you know oh Marcus was like saying stuff and then like clearly I didn't cut him so maybe Dan like you know but that hasn't happened um so, to the banishments though okay so the first banishment starts because of this fucking crazy shit that Trishel starts against Peppermint like also. As much as I don't know Trishel, I have done some research, and this is not the first time that she would target a black woman over some bullshit. And not just a black <laughs> woman, but a trans woman. Like, yeah. I, I, I got off of the... I watched Trishel in her original season of Real World, which was like years and years and years ago. Um, I, I do know she has had some problematic moments. And so, you know, take that... <sighs> take that as it will, because it did feel a little microaggressiony at certain points. Uh, it felt macroaggressiony at, at some points. <laughs> like she literally was like, you know, I jo- I made a joke about like, you know, oh, you know, like we, we like our outfits or whatever. Like you thought my outfit was cute, and and I joked like, oh, if I die tonight, you know, I know it's clear that you're a traitor or whatever. And you and she's like, you made you like scowled at me or something. Like she said, she, she made it made to- this big upset, like I had caught you in a lie, sort of. Look, and I was like, "Oh, okay. What was the look?" They played the playback, and it was just she. She did a. She dropped her jaw in a playful kind of oh, "How dare you?" sort of look. Yeah, Sheree had to be. I thought that she was joking. Like it wasn't like nothing got <laughs> came off like really serious about it. Like it was crazy. And Maxim kind of calls Trishel out. He doesn't say it's microaggressiony, but he like pretty much is just like yeah. you kind of pull this out of your ass. It feels like. Um, and then also, well, so Peppermint, they, enough people get behind Peppermint in terms of that regard. Like even Sheree votes for her because it gets, it becomes like a group mentality at a certain point. She reveals herself as a faithful and the way Trishel like was like then going around trying to make people feel bad for her or whatever. Yeah. About like, be, I, I will say. I'm so stupid. I feel I so bad. Say, Girl, shut up. When Peppermint was was banished <laughs> yeah, and, she's, and she's walking over to the circle of truth bitch does this head turn and her hair flies out behind her it's so fucking cunty i was just ah i was so here for it it was so good i thought peppermint i liked peppermint the the 
like what two episodes that we had her. I think like this was pretty much what I thought she would do in the game in terms of like she's not. I really a, wanted her to be around longer because I really. I, I'm thinking back to those uh, videos where she's playing video games with Bob. Oh, it's so funny. And it's hilarious. Like, she just, she she doesn't do well with the horror-themed stuff. So this is, like, the perfect thing to just have her jumping at things. And it's just funny. Yeah. She doesn't do well. I was going to say she doesn't really do that well under pressure in certain regards. I will say, I thought she actually handled Trishel well in the roundtable in terms of, like, trying to put it back on her. But, like, nobody was biting. Yeah. Like, you know, I thought she actually did the argument pretty well. Like, like, yeah, you know, uh, yeah. And then the second one is Maxim gets uh, banished because Deontay thought he was like acting upset in him, which I, I, I wish Maxim did a better job of like, sort of like throwing it back. I thought he could have negotiated better because well, the way De- Deontay like delivers this in this like big moment that you were giving this acting performance that you were upset that um, Marcus got killed or whatever. And like it, but the way that Deontay was delivering it was so acting like he was like putting on yeah. a character and i wish maxim would have just been like you're acting right now like what are you doing yeah well i think part of it is like a language barrier he, english is not his first language right um but then also he's deal he's used to dealing like with drama in the dance world because mm-hmm. he's he's one of the pros from dancing with the stars um and so he the world he lives in is very different than anybody else on this show. Yeah. Like, there's no... Like, there's some drama, in, like, backstage, but it's not televised. No, that's The true. drama he's really... Or he's used to dealing with is not televised. And and they make a point to keep it under wraps for the right. most part. Yeah. Well, it's a Disney product. <laughs> yeah, you can't it's, it's ABC. Like, you can't... It's, it's absolutely not going to be put on Front Street. Yeah, and he kind of like threw the blame at like like tried to divert the conversation onto the whole Janelle and Ekansu fight, and it was like that made it look you look more guilty. Yeah, is, is sort of the end of the day. Um, let's go through some of the other people in the game and sort of our thoughts on them on the early part. Let's start with Janelle, who like I like you fell in love with Janelle. Yeah. with Big Brother All Stars. Yes, uh, she's stunning. I love her. Yeah, I th- I think she's really I think she's handling herself really well as a face. I think even though she hasn't really gotten to a place where she can like get a good like read on like the actual traders, like her she, thought processes are there. It's so, yeah, it's close. So it's like okay, so point this in the right direction, and you're going to get it. Mm-hmm. So it's like I see you. I you can do really well. I just need you to notice this. Yeah, and she was uh, she was the one that first went it with that John, um, the former right. UK. P, uh, not prime minister. Um, um, he was ha- leader of the House of Commons. Yes, and uh, so like she picks up on the fact that he's like breathing heavy during the picking of the traders, and he says that he's a, has like asthma, and that leads to an amazing double team at one of the round tables where her and Tamra go after him. <laughs> Which uh, we'll we'll talk about Tamra in a minute. But John, for those of you who don't quite know who that is. He's the one that went viral for like the screaming order and like order! these order and these like extended sort of like yeah. like soliloquies about like yeah. It it's great. I he definitely is giving me the Kate Chastain of the season. Yeah. 
keep that note to a side because it, it becomes important. But like, he doesn't know what he's doing. Yeah. <laughs> like, he's very, he's very, very clear. And this isn't his forte in any regard. So, but he seems interesting and delightful enough, and is creating good drama because he does say he had asthma. He has asthma, but then like said that he had it as a child, right? And then he said he's like sometimes asthmatic, but doesn't have an inhaler, like. Tamra was yeah. Let's get let's talk, let's about, talk Tamara. about Tamra because she picked up on that real quick. And and the way on the challenge, she makes a point to say like, "Hey, John, I can't breathe. Like, do you have like an inhaler?" And he's like, "No, I don't have one." And she's just like, "Oh, I mean, if you were asthmatic, you would have an inhaler." She, like, this is exactly <laughs> what I thought Tamra would do. It's so good. It's so great. And the way she was like questioning him, I, there was a great tweet from someone which was like, "She needs to. Tamra needs to be the moderator in every presidential debate." Yes, because it's so, the way she was like, "Did you tell Janelle that you were uh, asthmatic?" And he's like, "He's like, I, I, I was asthmatic as a child." But and she's like, "That's not the question I asked you." I asked you, did you tell her? Look, the reason that Tamra could smell bullshit from a mile away is because she's used to dealing it. She she is the queen of bullshit. Yeah. So when you're spewing bullshit all the time, you know when someone else is too. Right. And you pick up on that shit. And it's one of the reasons I was really excited for her to be on this show, but also one of the reasons I really hoped she would not be picked as a traitor because she would give the game away so quick. Mm-hmm. She is not good at hiding her shit. Not good at it at all, but I, she will pick up on other people trying to hide shit. Yeah, I I hope she gets to, she gets to a point where she can figure out sort of like what to spot because right now she's like she was like, well, he's a politician, so politicians lie, so, which is not a bad sort of like thought but process. But that's one of those things that I'm like, that's not evidence. That's his personality or his his profession outside of this game. That does not prove that he would get tapped on the shoulder by Allen. Yeah. Like, that's what you have to figure out. Who is production going to place in that spot? Right. You have to think as a producer, who is going to be the most entertaining trader? That's who it is. And if people put that thought process in their mind, they would all instantly point at Phaedra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sheree's kind of a little background. I have like she's she's kind of quiet in these like first three yeah, episodes. But apparently that's evidence for Dan, but not for Sheree. Yeah, apparently. Um, but like she, she the most she spoke up was when Peppermint got right uh, taken out and then revealed as a faithful. She was definitely very pissed in that regard. But, but then she also voted for Peppermint, so why are you pissed? Yeah. But she says she regretted it because she was like, I'm going with the group and stuff like that. So, like, I don't, again, I don't, Sheree was the big wild card, I think, in a lot of people's minds. Yeah. Like, how the hell is Sheree playing this game? <laughs> like, there's no. Who, I who who cast her? I need to, I need to have a conversation with you because I need to understand your reasoning. What did you think she was going to do? <laughs> what, yeah, what did you think this was going to happen? Yeah. Um. L- let's talk, we talked a little bit about Larsa. I think I am shocked with how good I think Larsa is playing the game for Larsa. I thought she was yeah. going to be a bumbling idiot and she kind of isn't. She actually like she made a she made a very bold move throwing out Poverty's name in like the first round table and it was like okay like like you know maybe a little messy but whatever. But I think she you can definitely see her like adapting in certain ways yeah which i like like i and definitely did not expect from larsa and it makes me think that part of this like bimbo airhead 
kind of shtick that she does on Miami mm-hmm. is a shtick. Which I can believe. Yeah. Because it's like, you spent how long hanging around with the Kardashians? You had to pick up something. Because say what you will about the Kardashians, every single one of those bitches is, is oh, shrewd. And they're intelligent as fuck. And like they, much like what you're saying, they know when to play stupid. Yeah. They're really good at making you... It, uh, same with Paris Hilton. Like, she's not involved in this at all. But, like, Paris has let people believe that she's an idiot blonde for decades. Yeah. And she's not. She's an incredibly smart girl. Woman, really. But, like, everybody sees her as a girl, right? You see her as this young, stupid woman. And it's like, that's not who she is. She's actually really savvy. She's really smart. She's really intelligent. She just lets you think that she's dumb because it's easier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it means that you underestimate her and she can constantly su- surprise you. And like, I think that may be something that Lars is doing. This may be the best, especially with the season she's coming off of in Miami, which, is, I mean, it's not over and doesn't look great for her. But, like, she needed this because I think yeah. it really refreshed my mind of, like, seeing something in her. Yeah. Um, and then we also have MJ from Shaws of Sunset, who I actually really like. Like, I think, like... I, I only saw, I only watched like the first like two seasons I think of Shaws of Sunset and she definitely was like a little at least in the early part she played a little like not dumb but like a little naive in certain regards and not sort of like fully formed as a human. Yeah. She's very smart here and I find like the way like not just in terms of like figuring Dan but also the way she was questioning Dan at the round table felt like she was like someone who's done these shows yeah. for years. Um Shaws of Sunset is also the show that Reza is from, right? Right. She said she to watched Reza's performance the first season, which and, was short. Yeah, <laughs> and but it's very different. Like yeah. Reza was very like outgoing in the first ep- like minute, and yeah. like was all in you know in each other's everyone's faces in terms of like my personality and stuff like that. And she's that not doing that here. Yeah, and I think that's smarter, like for sure. Um, some of the men as well. You don't know as much about CT. No. From the challenge. He's definitely, like, sort of... Him and Bananas are very much rivals in many regards for years. Well, and he makes a comment at one point that um, him and Bananas are probably the two most successful people in reality television. That's probably That's true. That's probably... Yeah. He's very, he's very athletic-based. Like, he has a... He's he's very underrated hot. Like in, in especially yeah. like he's kind of like the bad boy hot on the challenge where yeah. it's like you you know, he, he might be a little bit of a dickhead, but like you you're willing to put up with it because he's, you know, like like he's one of those people you'll hate fuck. Yeah, kinda. Um yeah, I, I it's interesting to see him because he clearly has never played a game like this before. And it's right. like you could tell him just being like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. I think he literally said that at one yeah. point. Like Well, and the thing is is that it's it's weird for him because he's used to being at the top of the game. And he's very clearly at the mercy of everyone else. Yeah. Or at least you kind of have to think of that way, right? Because if you're a faithful, you're at the mercy of the traitors. You're really, yeah, you're never in starting position. Yeah. Like you're always on the back burner. Yeah. And you're always like behind the eight ball and like it's, you're screwed. You're absolutely screwed from the get. Like you have to figure out how to levy things in your advantage and he hasn't really gotten a grasp of that yet yeah um bergy who is from love island um don't don't watch love island no um 
he definitely gives like lovable loser vibes. I, I'm assuming that was his storyline on his original show. Um, I do think his narrative is interesting in terms yeah. of the like, you know, nobody really sees anything in me and like the way he worked out the graveyard challenge and like. I'm I'm very interested to see how far he goes this I'm, season. I think he's getting killed next. In as in, like, oh really? The because they leave us at the end of episode three with a cliffhanger of who's getting killed. So they did, yeah, because they do this twist where it, they basically tell the traitors like you're you're going to have to do an in person kill with a poison chalice that they're not going to know is a poison chalice, and you have to get someone to drink from it essentially. And like. Basically, Parvati's having to make this decision on her own because she has the chalice. Yeah, because they narrowed it down to, like, Sheree, MJ, and I th- someone else. I think maybe Janelle. Like, she tried to do Sheree when Phaedra was right there, but then, like, second-guessed it, essentially. Right, because Phaedra was not in on that decision. Yeah, and then she's very close to doing it with MJ, but MJ won't bite. Like, she won't right. take a drink, basically, and Parvati's like, what the fuck do I do? So, apparently, she just goes rogue and does somebody else that they hadn't, that she hadn't discussed with Dan. Yeah. And I think it's Birdie. Yeah. Um, Peter, who is from The Bachelor, um, so I don't know much. He seems intelligent enough. I. What do you think of this whole thing with him and Kevin? So Kevin is from Bling Empire, and they've made this deal to where it's like we're going to act like we have a, like we're going to feud with each other, so the traders will keep us more. This is real dumb. I don't think it's dumb. I think their execution of it's really dumb. I think you don't want to draw attention to yourself. The traders, like, sure, the traders may keep you around if you're causing chaos right um especially because these traders have actually talked about wanting to create chaos and confusion um because like in the sense of like lars like larsa and mj were really bold in that last round table calling out dan but all but if dan kills one of them the intention then goes on dan right so but then they got rid of marcus to punish larsa sure like so you there's still ways yeah, I think like I don't I don't see it work and I don't like again, it's just the way they executed. They made it seem like they were going to have this like big fight to sort of throw it off, but they just randomly threw out each other's names at the round table without even really fighting and it was yeah. like okay, like everyone else is going elsewhere and like this just makes you look stupid. Yeah. Like, also like why would that be the the problem the reason I say this is stupid is that if you create a fight that's big enough to really cause the confusion, you also draw the attention of the other faithfuls. Right. You have which to... could then convince them that one or both of you are traitors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you it it's a it's a gamble and I don't think it's worth what your payoff is. Yeah, and you have to build relationships. Like I think the hope hopefully the thing, for example, that like Lars and MJ have to learn is like we're on the right track with Dan, but we, it's never, that doesn't matter unless we get the vote, unless right. we convince everyone it's Dan. Right. Like that's part of the game. Um, and then, la- and the last one, major one is Deontay, who's a famous boxer. I don't know much of Deontay. Yeah. Dan basically compares it to like, it's like in like, if like 20 years ago you were playing with like Mike Tyson and it's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Like that's a major deal. He's fascinating because he's very wrong <laughs> in, yeah. in many regards. And then also gets really emotional in the fact that like he cried yeah. at the end of the third episode. 
Yeah, who was the guy last season who went all the way to the end and was really mad at Suri? Quentin. Quentin. He's very Quentin vibes. Yeah. He's like, but like the fact that Phaedra was like comforting him, like tearing up about something. I love Maximum. Phaedra's game. Oh, it's so, She's her, so good. Her comforting Deontay, the way, the, being the first one to hog Larsa when she finds out Marcus has been killed. Yeah. Like she's fucking really good at this. We also didn't talk about Ekansu from Love Island. Yeah, I didn't get much from her. The only thing was that feud with Janelle over when they both go for the shield in the graveyard challenge, which is so clearly was not the way Ekansu was presenting yeah, it. Yeah, Ekansu makes it like it was a like immediate struggle. Janelle already had the shield and like Ekansu reaches in. Like it was so clearly right. already Janelle's. Right. And then we also didn't talk about Sandra. How did we not talk oh about God. Sandra? <laughs> Sand- well, Sandra's kind of... She, I won't say... No, Sandra's not background. She, they're, they're definitely playing up a lot of the, her feud with poverty. But she also... This is how she plays a game. In the early goings, she always lays back. She always gets a lay of the land first before she starts making moves. Yeah. Any if any anybody who has ever seen Sandra compete on Survivor knows that this is how she moves. Right, right, right. So like she will eventually, probably in the next episode, maybe the next episode after that step up and become a major player. Yeah. But it's still going to be a background major player. She's going to be making moves. She's going to be convincing other people to do things for her. That is how Sandra moves. Very much like Dan moves, right? Um, But I think Sandra can do it in a way that will actually adapt to this game where Dan has really not gotten a hold on how to make that strategy work here. I think Sandra, because she's had the ability to sit back and watch... She has figured out her movement plan. Yeah. And it works here because there's still like what, like 16, 17 people left in the game. Yeah. So it's like you don't have to be you don't have to be front facing all the time. Right. And like that's, you know, sometimes that works to your advantage and it's always worked for sandra yeah (laughs) she's one survivor twice i mean you can't argue with that Mm -hmm. only one other person in, in the world has done that yeah so like that's crazy yeah and so i'm really loving this season i'm very excited we're gonna recap it every week and it's just like yeah we didn't i mean we didn't even get into like alan cummings looks that fucking the look he had for the scarecrow one with that like feather like he was like a like he was like a rooster like the, right like but also what was that awful look that he wore with those like looked like shorts that were made out of burlap oh yeah yeah, yeah. that was like he hits every time and then that was like oh god what is that? <laughs> it was so bad. It was awful. But but nine out nine times out of ten he hits it. Yeah. Um. And he's the camp you know element that's so important to this show. Oh, completely. It's, it's, can I say the, also? The, I mean, I'm curious. The budget that they put into the show seems a lot. Some of the like wide shots of like the like just the cinematic shots of like Scotland and stuff. It was like this looks like expensive. Like this looks like well, National Geographic level. Like, well, I also think it's the same production crew. So, like, this is my thought process, right? The same castle is used for every epi- or every type of trader. Uh-huh. They come here, they film in this castle. Right. So they've got, what, like, you said there's three different shows filming out of this castle with the same production crew? I know definitely UK is. So, like, at least two, right? So that's four seasons they've now filmed here. The same production crew has gotten used to 
that the way that moves, the way that's shot, all of those things. So they can do things more efficiently. More efficiently means cheaper, which means that they can do things that look more expensive for a lot less money. Yeah. So like they're, they're able to do some really good things now. And I'm really, really excited. Yeah. So that's the traders. Uh, like you said, uh, like we said, going to be talking about it every week. So stay tuned. Also, they won an Emmy. Oh, that's for, right. For casting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the U.S. version. So, like, and clearly this season's going to win something because mm-hmm. it has to. There's no way that you have the biggest premiere of any other reality show on Peacock ever by 75%. Yeah. They've really found a good hit. Like, it's, it's yeah. I haven't found, found the last time where something new like this has become... A quick sensation. Well, and it's it's wide reaching. Yeah, they like with them including like the Survivor Big Brother Challenge sect of reality TV watchers. They also include the Love Island, um, Real Housewives. Like, well, but I feel like those are two separate things. Like, right, the Love Island and the Bachelor and those types of reality shows are like the love genre of reality right, TV. Right, right. And then you have the bravo sphere right the shahs of sunset the real housewives and then you also have drag race fans who are coming in to watch peppermint and didn't get to see much but she's here i love how i do love how broadly they're expanding like the like they're willing to like as much as i was who they had like ryan lochte last season as much as i'm like oh whatever like i'm i appreciated the fact that they're willing to go like be so broad with the casting yeah like in a way that's like you can be creative and yeah. i think this is a game that like i think i mentioned it before like this is a game that can play well over time yeah and and you don't really have to do too much different to the format yeah and like if you you can cast just about whoever yeah like it's really smart in that regard and i think this could be a, a i think this could be up there with like a survivor where it's like a you know a, a iconic franchise i do want to see an all drag queen season yeah but also an all housewives season we casted that yes like previously like if you did an all drag queen version of this and have everyone in drag for the eliminations Mm -hmm. and then like they're in in boy drag for like the challenges or whatever like I, that would be stunning. People showing up and showing out at the round table. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yes, please. Love to see I, it. Love it. Um, yeah. So that was the traders. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, we're talking the newest episode of Married to Medicine. Don't go anywhere. Well, hello, friends. I'm your pal in the mainstream media. And, and I'm the Riz. And, and you know, know Riz, it takes years of strenuous, dedicated training before you're worthy to step inside a professional wrestling ring. But it takes even more time to develop complex, highly astute opinions about professional wrestling. Am I right? That is correct. Yes. And you know where we can find that? Yes. On the wrestling man. That's right. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And if you're anything like us, you live your life out loud. And when it comes to issues of discrimination, inequity, and outright bigotry, we use every platform we have to speak out against systems of oppression that perpetrate violence against marginalized groups. That's why we are so proud to wear designs from the Survivors Know merch store. 
Their team has created designs that feature unapologetic, empowering, and survivor-centered messaging that range from mild, like accountability is love and toxicity is not on the menu, to a little more spicy, like one of my favorites, fuck your laws, fuck your system, transformative justice now, which has a cute little happy flower on it. Each design is available on a variety of items from t-shirts and hoodies to bags, blankets, magnets, and even stickers. And as more items become available, the options will continue to grow. 100% of the proceeds go back into supporting the amazing work done at Survivors Know to support survivors, workers, and survivor advocates by organizing, challenging the status quo, and creating alternatives to the systems that fail us. Support Survivors Know by shopping today at SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. That's SurvivorsKnow.Threadless.com. Sidekick Media Services. We are your sidekick in business for social media, video production, and more. Find out more at SidekickMediaServices.com. Welcome back to A Gay and His Envy. Let's head on down to Atlanta where the murderous traitor tries her hand at energy healing unmarried to medicine. <laughs> Quite the shift for Phaedra, actually. Right. <laughs> yeah, when you really think about it. Uh, married to medicine for this week. This was a very light episode and kind of like... Kind of a filler, but that's fine. Everybody needs a little filler, maybe top lip, maybe eyebrows, you know. A yeah, filler yeah. is fine. I think it's, it, it didn't mind it as much with like, like we talked uh, about like Potomac having kind of, it felt feeling like we're wasting time. This I never feel like we're wasting time because no. the cast is so good. There's still development here, right? Like a good filler episode. Like even if you're talking about scripted television, whatever, it maybe doesn't push the overall story arc along but there's individual small plots that are getting moved along right right we see more of phaedra that's great for this we see more of toya and eugene we see more of um simone with her kids like there's some good stuff that's getting pushed along and moved along here that even though we're not getting any big story arc things happening yeah we'll get into the toya eugene stuff especially because i think we're very opinionated on it <sighs> at least in terms of our takeaways Look, from it. they are my favorite yeah, couple on bravo same. right now so like I'm very protective of them. <laughs> sure. Um, we so, so we get in some of the quick scenes. I also the part where Sweet Tea is doing like TikToks in like the living room. I'm like, okay, we're really playing up this like millennial thing. <laughs> like, also, like I try to do a TikTok like she's doing, and I'd break a hip. And she's barely like she's basically between me and you in age, right? She's yeah, 32, yeah, yeah. so she's two years older than you, two years younger than me. Like I just. I would break a hip doing what she was doing in there. And also, like, Greg joining her and being like, how about this dance? And he rubs his belly like, I'm hungry or whatever. I'm like, oh, God. Uh, what did you do between you and Quad breaking up and you getting with Sweet He tea? apparently just starved. Like he Because, could, like, can you make a piece of toast? And it's so, can I say, it's so weird that, like, there's the play up of, the like, her millennial side and, and stuff like that. But then she's also, not to say that it's a non-millennial thing. But she's assuming a very traditional role in terms of the marriage, like in terms of like the like I have to cook for him every night and I have to like. You it's know. very trad wife, and it's it's a little weird. Yeah, it's like what are we doing? Like the, the, these two things don't yeah. compute in my head. Um, we then go to uh, Jackie at her office, and she has another appointment with the brat. I loved at this point. I I I stand uh, Judy, who's the brat's uh, partner, because literally ratting her house out every chance she gets. Jackie gets. 
two seconds in the room and she goes, she had me ordering Chinese food before. It's like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> this is really pointed at this point and sort of like. Well, and it also, it, it's so weird because all of this stuff happening now with Jackie, oh. which, which when her on this season is actively trying to be pro black women and knowing all of this stuff in the background, it's very it's a hard juxtaposition to reality. I was telling you, it felt like they, I couldn't tell if like they were putting more scenes in actively as a choice. Like, it's like, if they want to bury her, sure. Like, cause it just makes her look worse. It really is just like, well, in her and her confessional talking about like, I try to empower my patients, which like, She's like, it, you know, it's, you know, tell them to ask questions. And if something doesn't look right, feel like, feel right, sound right, smell right, make sure to ask questions. It's like, like that part, fine, but like. But it is kind of in contrast with that clip, though. That clip literally is you fat shaming the brat. It's like. Oh, well, yeah, there is like, the, there is, she does fat shame her a little bit about like, the like, eating and stuff like that. She's pregnant. She's supposed to be fat. Yeah. I, I, that's my stance of just like, I don't think you. I mean, like you shouldn't be like. I understand, like you need your baby needs certain nutrients, but like you can get nutrients and still eat, like you know, a lot or like you know, satisfying things. I'm not saying eat like fucking cookie dough all day, but like the here's the thing. Side tangent. If, if by the way, that was like a. Per- I don't look like a little boy in a dress, like some people have said that Jackie does, right? Um, that was a read a few years ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who, who said that? Heavenly. Heavenly, yes. And then Jackie said she doesn't look like a busted can of biscuits. <laughs> so, yeah, like there's been God, a remember lot of- when fat shaming used to be fun on these shows? <laughs> God. Again, I just laugh, but nowadays it's like, oh, I mean, like, I get it. But like, but like there, there is no unhealthy food. Like, I agree. All food has some level of nutritional value. And it's better than starving yourself. Yeah. So if you are hungry and what you have to eat is cookie dough, bitch, get you a spoon. That's my thing. It's like if you're eating broccoli and you cover it in cheese. You're still eating broccoli. It doesn't make the broccoli unhealthy. Right. Like who cares? Like uh, You still ate the broccoli. (laughs) Exactly. Um, And then Jackie does make the point to also point out the concept that like just because I have to, you know, get the brat, you know learned up on this stuff too to protect herself from like the maternal mortality issue with black women because just because she's rich doesn't mean it's not affecting her this happened to serena williams this happened like which is completely true by the way like it like you're still a black woman at the end of the day and like you know we downplay pain no matter what right when, when we're doctors when it comes to black women but it again it's just like oh my god like it's it just did not play well in terms of like the jackie stuff that's coming out like oh at all this reunion is going to be fascinating to me like in terms of how they bring that up because you i feel like they're going to have to um we then go over to toya and eugene's house as they're cooking dinner together uh the boys are away and it really just like it was crazy to me how quick this turned like it was like it just goes from Eugene cutting an onion to them fighting (laughs) like it was like it really was 90 to nothing in like or nothing and night. I don't know. Whatever you know what I mean. Yeah. Speed, cars, driving. I'm to- straight, right? Yeah, sure. Um, Toya talks about like you know we're supposed to be on a date, and Eugene's like you know I mean we can have a date in the house though. And Toya's like we're not doing anything romantic. We're doing the same thing that we normally do, and like 
I here's the thing. There is a way to say I need more, and and it's like, like I I looked at it to a certain extent in terms of like love languages, right? Right. Like, there is a way to sort of vocalize your love language in a way where it's like, you know, I need this specific sort of type of gift right. or this specific type of date. I think there's a way to phrase it. I like, think I need novelty. Great. That's lovely. That is an actionable thing. Yeah. I need more is not actionable because I don't know in what direction I like the, the problem is, I guess we'll just get into it. Toya period. Um, <laughs> Toya doesn't, and I hate to to like come in on Eugene's side because I do realize that there is that gender inequality thing where if there's a problem, the man is automatically right. Like that is not where I'm coming from. No. But I do re- think you have to realize that you married a, an ER doc. This right. man is dealing with a, a lot more than everybody else is on this show in terms of his practice, right? Yeah. Like he works in an ER. Uh, so does Damon, right? Uh, I don't know if he's ER. Who else was ER? There's another one that is, but I can't f- remember it off the top of my head for some reason. Either anyway, um, Eugene works in an ER, so it's like he's. Seeing... Oh, I think you're thinking Mariah's um, uh, husband. Yes, Mariah's husband worked in an ER. So, like you, um, when you're working as an ER doc, it's not that you're just seeing appointment you're like taking appointments and all of that stuff you're you're dealing with traumas you're dealing with patients dying you're dealing with like gunshot wounds and stabbings and people coming in who have been sexually assaulted like and eugene's not quiet about it he's vocalized this in the past like but like this is difficult emotionally taxing work right um, especially during the pandemic, but it's not easy just because the pandemic is quote unquote over. It's not over. Still get your booster shots and wear masks when you need to. Um, but you know, it's, it's so frustrating because Toya and I understand Toya's entering this from, I need more, but it's like, when are you taking care of his emotional needs and his well-being from the work that he does? Yeah, and it's fine to say you need more. I just think that you have to be, like you said, you have to be real about it. Right. Like, they get into a little bit of an argument in the confessional, and Eugene's basically like, you aren't working, like, 12-hour days. And she goes, I do work 12-hour days. I get up at 5.45. I do all this. And I'm like, I, I... Agree with the whole being a mom is a job. Yes, like I get, absolutely. I am all, I'm all like for that, whatever. But it's not the same as being an ER doctor. Right. Like it's not the same tax. It's not right. the same struggles. Right. Like, like I understand, like moms don't really get time off. They're pretty much on call 24-7. Yeah. They really never get to clock out and go home and be away from their work. But at the same time, like he... Like, he's dealing with much graver things than you are. And you, there's an emotional well-being that I don't think Toya is taking into account. And then she's expecting him to plan all these extravagant things for her. Right. It's like, what have you done for him lately? What have you done to make sure he's getting taken care of? And I'm not talking about, like, Like, you're not talking about, like, in, in the Dr. G way. Right. I'm talking about... 
when was the last time that you planned something that was special for him? Yeah. When was the last time that you even sat down with him after and just let him cry with you? Because that man needs to cry. When you watch patients die on the table with your hands in their belly, that's that eats at you. Like yeah. there's there's an emotional and physical toll that he's paying every day at work that I don't think you quite grasp. And I, I would say the same thing in reverse when we were talking about, I mean, I know we didn't have the podcast back then, but when we were talking about, um, Dr. Jackie and uh, Curtis Curtis, when he was complaining about her not being home. It's like, and we were very much like, but it's not like you need to factor in her job. Like it needs to be part of the, yes, she needs to have a work-life balance, but you can't expect like for any doctor, let like, doesn't matter what area of expertise they are in. For any doctor, they don't truly clock out when they clock out. Right. They've got charting they have to do. They've got, and it is a little bit different when it's a private practice, right? When you've got, you do really have the ability to clock out if you're Jackie or Simone or anybody else really on this show, except for Eugene, you get to clock out and come home. Eugene really doesn't. And he deals with a lot more at work than anybody else on this show does. So I think. There needs to be some leeway on that. Yeah. That's just me. Toya tells him, I would like our relationship to evolve into something more romantic and fun again. And like, I, and I can understand that to a certain extent. Like she talks a lot about like, you know, he would be, he was used to be the kind of person where it's like, if I mentioned, I really like cherries, he would organize like a trip to like a cherry farm where like I, you know, and so he would be like, the, like structure in that way. <laughs> but then she's saying that Eugene goes, got it. Like, and like, I understand because I think Eugene actually does listen. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he like thinks this is a dismissive thing on Toy's right. part. But he's like, got it. And Toy's like, can I finish? Like, because she's very revved up. And when Toy's revved up, she right. just wants to complain. Uh-huh. And then Eugene does the wrap it up, like, hand motion. <laughs> and that pisses <laughs> Toy off so much. Like, are you telling me to wrap it up right now? Like... <laughs> Um, Eugene is like, what's wrong with having like an intimate moment though in the house? And Toy's like, cause we have them all the time. It's like, you know, the flowers, I use your credit card to buy myself flowers, but I want you to do these things. And I'm like, you're, you like flowers for the house or like you're buying yourself a bouquet of roses. Cause at that point, Toya, like, what are you doing? Like, yeah, but like fine like if you want to say the only way that i get flowers is when i order them for myself even though you're paying for it that's irrelevant like i had to go in and order okay fine i that is a genuine complaint if there is no any sort of anything like that then yeah i can understand why that's a problem can i say though i don't think that's true i don't think there isn't anything like that we've seen scenes this season where like he's given toy gotten toy like breakfast in bed for her birthday like he's gotten the boys together to like organize sort of like things but that's everyday intimacy at home that's not what she wants but that's a conflicting argument though because and that's what also really pissed me off about it because toya cites what she brought up at the last reunion 
union, right? She's like, in New York, I talked about to the girls and everybody about like feeling lonely. And like she did, she said at the reunion, like when you're at the house and like, you know, when he's working all this time or whatever, and you're just in the house alone and you're at a certain point in your life, it's really depressing. And that is true. But, but to me. Also, wasn't that when he was working at two different hospitals because of the. The pandemic? Correct. But my point is you can't it – can't, it's either one or two things. Either you want him to be around or you want him to be around to do dates and to go out to these extravagant places because, like, it's not a matter of being lonely if he's – if the issue is – we're having dates, but it's just us in the house and you're cooking dinner for me and we're having dinner moments together like normal. To me, that's not a mad – then it's not about you being lonely. Right. It's about you wanting these extra things. And that's fine if that's what that is. Right. It's valid to want those extra things. But then again, I also say when did you do the extra things for him? Right. And When did you say what do you need to have happen in order to be seen? What do you need to have happen in order to feel loved in this relationship? When did you go out of your way to plan something special and extravagant for him? Right. No, I totally agree. You with can't that. expect that from him when he's busting his ass. Yeah, he can't do everything. Sorry. It just. I think he would want to. I think I do. Like, that's why I'm with Eugene on this. Like, I do believe he wants to. Right. But I just like. But I think he's also trying to be realistic. Like, the man works 12-hour days. He needs to be able to come home and have some sort of rest. Like, he can't come home every day and then get gussied up to go take you out somewhere. And you expect him to also sleep in there sometime, and I assume you want to have sex with him. So, like, where is their time? Yeah. Like, you you have 24 hours and 12 of those are at work, so I need you to pick. Right. Um, we then get these like sort of joint scenes that are, I, I, they're kind of about the same topic a while in, tor- in terms of like empty nesting. Mm-hmm. Cause we see Simone and Cecil, uh, bringing in boxes for, uh, their sons, uh, moving into that investment condo that they bought. Simone is fully ready to, she literally in the was like, bye, take care. I'm good. I finally have the house to myself. Like and she like whips out like this fucking industrial pack oh of my, condoms. I didn't know you could buy that many condoms in a pack. When you're rich, you could buy anything. I guess, but it was, and I, this was, and she just has them play. She has one of them's on like the sink faucet. She just places them all around the fucking house. It's like, I love miles. It's like, what is this? And she's like, reminders. <laughs> uh, I mean, I get, I mean, I, I also in the p- position of like, give them the tools, you know, they're going right. to have sex. Like I'd rather you be protected and right. like, you know, not either get someone pregnant or get a disease. Like, right. you know, so I, I think Simone's actually a much cool. I think she has cool mom elements. I don't yes. think she's a full cool mom. Cause she will also be on your ass. <laughs> yes, completely. But I, but I do appreciate that. And then as this is happening, we're also seeing heavenly and she's by the pool with Damon. She's looking through like old photos of Alora, and they're talking about like her going off to college and stuff like that. Damon, like full on tears up in the confessional. And I was like, Oh, oh my God. Damon. I don't think I've ever seen Damon cry. Oh, it was like really like a moment. It really was. I was reclaimed. Yeah, it's just you don't see someone like him crying, and it's yeah. like, so, and yeah, it's it definitely feels big for them. And Heavenly also tells him about like you know that she's trying to reach out to her sister, you know, in terms of like you know rekindling that. Well, and he does, she does kind of mention I've kind of almost given up on it, mm-hmm. and he kind of slightly reads her for it. He's like, 
if it was me and a sibling that had this falling out, I do anything. I would do anything and I would never stop till I died. Yeah. Like you have to keep going. You have to keep going at this if you want anything to be fixed. Yeah. And he talks about like a lot of that mentality is from like, you know, his dad not being around. Right. And then like we, we saw that like, you know, them visiting his grave like a couple seasons ago and right. stuff like that. So like, I understand that mentality, like, you know, and I feel like, I don't know. I feel like we haven't gotten to the root of the issue with Heavenly and her sister. Like, we kind of been talked to... They, she talked about, like, the mom, like, pit them against each other a little bit. Right. And, very, and she's just like, we're very different. Like, yeah. it's like, you know... But I don't think there was a big, like, moment that, like, sort of, like, maybe broke them apart. Yeah, I, I don't really get it either. I think it's more like death of a thousand cuts sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and those are really hard to to heal because, like, those tiny cuts create a chasm that you don't really know how to fix because it's not one thing, right? It's not something that you can just say, this thing you did hurt me and I need you to apologize for it because it's a thousand little things and all of those things seem petty. Yeah. You know? And so, yeah, I totally understand that. It's kind of something you just have to let go and walk away from in order for there to be any movement. Yeah. It's hard. Um, we then see Phaedra and Alicia going out to brunch together, um, and they're discussing everything that happened in Napa. Um, Phaedra does mention that she was hurt uh, hearing from Heavenly what Quad had been saying about her yeah. and sort of all that stuff, and that she felt, like, stabbed in the back by it, and that's why she kind of quite cut Quad off. I liked in her conversation, she goes, she should have talked to Jesus if it bothered her, not Heavenly. Heavenly can't hold water. <laughs> that's a great way to put that. <laughs> Um, I, but like what you were mentioning before with the trader stuff, I also think it's interesting that it's like Phaedra, the way Phaedra's moving. I don't think it's like fully, I think there's a calculated element to it. I think she's, but I also think maybe she just hasn't mode shifted out of traders yet because clearly <laughs> like we she's know still got from, that cloak on. Right. We know from the timeline of filming, right. That traders, they literally flew to Scotland to film traders the day after they filmed the reunion for OC right. because Tamara was in Scotland with when the whole thing with Shannon went down right, 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 and couldn't do anything. Couldn't like she was filming. She was like, I can't. So, um, so all of this stuff between Shannon and Vicky and Tamara kind of is born of Tamara not being there right. during all Seemingly. of that. Um, and then we know that this was filmed after, OC, I would guess, I would think. So, I think it was maybe filmed before. I'm, I'm not sure. Like it could have been. I yeah. But but you know what I mean. Like then you come from traders to film this. Sure. And so I think she's still in that mindset of traders of where she had to be during the filming of traders, because uh, you could see a parallel movements. Like, she sits in the background. She comforts people. She's doing that. I think in this episode, she's really starting to step out of that a little bit. Yeah. But in these first few episodes, like, we've had the first few episodes. How many episodes have we had? We've had Oh, of Married in Medicine? Like, oh, we're, like, halfway through the season. So this first half of the season, we really can see that echoing now that we see on traders, we can see that. So it's just really interesting to me. And I, I think she's 
finally starting to take the cloak off. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. Um, uh, Alicia talks about how, like, Phaedra did, like, Reiki on her, and that was, like, a really, like, moving experience and stuff like that. And apparently Phaedra, like, got her certification for it. How many fucking things has she, like, actively, like, gone to school in order to, like... Do. She is. She's a lawyer. She's a well. She's actually. She's an attorney. So there is a difference between a sure. lawyer and an attorney. A lawyer just means that you went to law school. If you pass the bar, then you're an attorney. Right. Um. So I don't. I don't want to Anna Marie myself. <laughs> she's a. She's an attorney. She um also is a. She's a mortician. She's a mortician. If I. Remember correctly, isn't she also an ordained minister? I think so. And then she's now a Reiki master. Jesus Christ. Like, girl has a resume. She can go into any field. Well, the answer is, is she not, like, what is she, or if she is an ordained minister, is it in, like, um, like, more Catholic faith because it's interesting because the shaman later talks about how he's ordained but like in a non-denominational yeah it's the same way I am he probably got his ordination online okay so yeah like I, I was wondering if that like because there's all this talk later about like like because heavenly is basically I just worship Jesus I don't I don't do any of this other stuff like well but like I also appreciated how when heavenly was doing her private session with Phaedra. Mm, she was very open. She, well, she prayed, like Phaedra prayed over her, like to God. She did a Christian prayer. Yeah. So I, I think that that also helped put Heavenly in the right frame of mind. So it was like, this is just a practice. This is just working with energy. It has nothing to do with a religion. So like you can use this in any religion. And I think she was really underlining that. Even though it comes from, I think, Indian culture, um, it might just be it might be something else in South Asia. I'm not sure, mm. but I think I think it's Indian. Um, but like, if it just because it comes from there does not mean that it uses. You have to practice yeah. in one of those religions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was just there was a lot of discussion about it, which was yeah. Um. So, uh, and she talked about that it was like Reiki was a big help for her, like during her divorce, in terms of like getting her emotionally centered and all that stuff. And she wants to do this big event to sort of get the girls together and hoping that it will help them uh, fix everything. And then the, <laughs> the scene ends when she's talking about like yoni crystals, like just because uh, it's not it, it's not Phaedra unless she's talking about like vaginas and <laughs> whatever. And then she says something about like every visitor to the vagina it leaves something in her mind. Like she's like <laughs> basically like all. All your sexual partners leave an energy in the... Well, that's a very yeah. that's a very common belief that having sex with someone creates like some sort of spiritual tie to them. You would hope, you know. I mean, but I, I'm also someone who thinks sex is sex unless you put something else behind it. Right, that's fair. Like you can have anonymous sex, and I don't have to ever have a connection to that person again. There's no emotional tie. There's no spiritual tie. Like, sex is sex. I just tied one off. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But, like, when you are having sex with someone that you love or even care for, that's when you have some sort of... Energy transfer. Energy transfer. Because the energy is not in the act. The energy is in the emotion. It's yeah. in the intention. 
I like that. Um, we then go to Sweet Tea and Greg, and they're having dinner together, and she's talking about sort of her endometriosis diagnosis and, like, you know, that it's really tiring to her. I know you had mentioned about, like, your worry about, like, Greg sort of, like, being emotionally available for her, and she he's still maintaining that. He's like, you know, I'm going to have, you know, talk to Dr. Davis as well. I don't like to see you hurting. And he's like, you know, if he says, if I can have a baby, I'm going to have one, but you're my number one, basically. This is the scene that I was talking about that they did in a um, preview that I was talking about where they sat down and had this conversation. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and so, like, he, he I mean, he's saying that. He's saying the right things. I just hope that that's, like I said, that that's right. true. Because, like, you know, it, again, that was kind of the contract in terms of the merit, like the unwritten contract. But, again, I can understand why there would be a difference between can't and won't. Right. It's, it's it, it, Which, She's not wanting to, like, right. you know, she's not, you know, and, and Quad, and that's not to say that Quad didn't have every right, right. to, like, deny that because it is her body. And right. Like, well, you know, and she was like, you know, the timing's not right. Like, I need to put this off until I'm established on my own. Apart from you. And so I get that. I completely understand and support why Quad didn't do that. But I also... But Sweetie has every intention. Right. I also understand the reaction then from G. If, you know, if that's what he wanted out of a marriage, then clearly it wasn't something that they needed to stay in. Yeah. Abuse aside, the abuse was unacceptable. Oh, yeah. But, like, I... I understand that if this is what you want from a marriage and you're not getting that, then it's time to leave. Right. Uh, and then sweet. He's like, it might, it's probably important for you to also like go to a sperm bank or whatever to sort of, you know, if the case, if like, cause we need to strike if, you know, they find out I can have children like, you know, and Greg's basically like, you know, make sure I have like my 20 million. And he said something about taking an at home test. Can you do an at home sperm test? Apparently. And but like I don't know how ac- I does but but does he mean at home in that like he 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 did it at home and then sent the sample somewhere? That makes more sense to me. Maybe, but also I could understand why he would like maybe do the sample collection at home and maybe take it to work and send it to the lab. That makes more sense. Like also, also don't, cause don't sorry, don't send your sperm in the mail. <laughs> like like no. I'm so, like like But but also like something weirded me out thinking about him like like jerking off at a cup and then like looking at it under a microscope in his own house. It's like, what are you doing? It's like, you're a psychiatrist, sir. <laughs> there's there's a mental something going on here. Because if, if, if it's not him, he's getting somebody else with experience to do it. Right. And, and either way, weirder. it's like, what? What are we doing? Yeah. Okay. So then we go to Eugene taking Toya on a date. So he's like, I'm, I'm going to, you know, do what you want now. And takes her to this like it's like a butcher shop, but it's like a it's it's like a really fancy one. Like it's like and it's it's like there's a restaurant link to it, and so it's like it's like we butcher our own stuff and then like use it. Right. So it's like really like high end. Like there's wine and all that stuff. Like they have the little bore of meats out and there's bacon because Toya loves bacon. Right. So it's like I actually like Toya. I was very annoyed with Toya during she this. She poo pooed on this, and this was good. Yeah. And, like, she just keeps being con- contrary about, like, all... Like, Eugene talks in, her, in his confessional, like, you know, now that I know that this is important to you. And Toya goes, important to us? Okay. He literally is like, yes, sure. Like... No, like, stop it. 
It is important to you. Because it's important to you, it is important to me. It is not important to us. I yeah. don't give a fuck about this. I'm doing this for you. Yeah. So, like, they have the chef, like, cooking stuff for them or whatever. And, like, t- at one point, like, Eugene, like, gets over to, like, join. Toya just keeps noting of, like, like, you were more happy standing over there with the chef than sitting next to me. You made this date for you. Like, and and it, it was so annoying in the sense, like, she does it in a very, like, Toya, like, I'm making a joke tone. Like, it was, it, it was never the tone of, like, I'm being seriously upset about this. It was just, like, oh, my God, like, you, like, made this about, this is clearly your date, Eugene. Like, but it's just the tone, like, the actual stuff of what you're saying is, like, really, yeah. like, you know, he's trying. like and, yeah. and, and I don't think he's, like, actively, like, you know. Because he says at one point later, he's like, yeah, I was originally thinking, like, having this for, like, a birthday dinner. That was where I first saw this place. And she's like, yeah, no, I wouldn't have liked this for my birthday. It's like, what are you doing? You, This is where I'm like, Tori, you are kind of stuck up. Yeah. Like, you, this isn't just about, like, like again, like we said before, it's one thing to have needs and to vocalize that and, and all that stuff. But this is you're being a little too, like, overly critical. And to me... Again, the scenes in which, like, you're just at home making dinner together and, like, jo- enjoying a glass of wine or, like, when that – what is it? A couple episodes ago when he was helping take your um, uh, braids, your braids out, out or whatever. Yeah. Like, that I found – just from an outside viewpoint, I found it really romantic. I did and, too. And, I found it charming. Yeah. And, and so your banter between each other I found very, like, sort of – but it's, like, no one – like, I – I partly think it's for presentation. I think she doesn't. I think she wants to show other people that, like, oh, look at what my look at what my man is doing for me. Well, I mean, we we've seen that before from her too, like with the her obsession over moving into a prettier, better yeah. house. Like, and it's not to say that she doesn't love Eugene. I actually think she those moments are real with like right. the hair and those are real moments. And I think she does have love for him. I think she's just so. This is a separate thing. That's right. like consuming her mind and i'm just like this is not you know i think it has to do with the fact that for so long on this show she has been the underdog in that she's not the she's not the professional she's not the doctor she's the one who is just the stay-at-home wife and she i mean that's part of the reason that she started this wine business you know all those sorts of things but like she needs to find validation in herself and stop worrying about what everybody else thinks about her. Yeah. And I get she's on reality television. Every single one of them needs validation from outside. But, like, she, for her own health and for the health of her marriage, she really needs to just leave this alone. Yeah. And she's like, you, out of 10, I would give it, like, a 7. A 7? It's like you put in the effort. It's like, wow, you're talking crazy. Like, uh, yeah. We then go to Phaedra, and she's getting set up at the health sanctuary for her Reiki session. She's doing it with uh, Shaman Ra, who's the Reiki master who basically taught her and, and, you know, uh, helped her get her certification and all that stuff. <laughs> Literally, they walk in. They, like, Jackie, uh, Simone, and Heavenly walk in as Phaedra's playing her flute. Like, <laughs> And the way Heavenly's just like <laughs> laughing at Paige or playing the flute is just so funny. <laughs> it's like nothing of this is serious. I'm, I get that it's a real like sort of practice, but it was just like something about Phaedra, like yeah. you know, added adding to the craziness of it. Um, 
I will say Simone was flirting hard with the fucking shaman. And you said I, when it was happening, Cecil would not be, you would not be happy if Cecil was doing that. Right. This felt very hypocritical. Yeah. Considering the fact that Cecil didn't even have an affair with this, with his friend. He just had a friendship. He just with, had a friend that you thought crossed the line. Yeah. And you're like lifting up his shirt to look at his tattoos and like. Girl, if he had done that to some woman. You would have slapped the shit out of him and then left. Yeah, I agree. There would have been no level of married to medicine reunion that could have got y'all back together. <laughs> oh, man. So <laughs> I love the rest of them walk in. Sweet Tea's like, Phaedra, you dress like Erica Badu. <laughs> <laughs> Sweet Tea was actually really funny this She episode. was kind of dressed like Erica Badu. I do feel like Sweet Tea, like, has gotten into her own a little bit. Yeah. Like, there's something in this episode where I feel that. Um, and Sweet Tea mentioned that, like, she did go to a healer once before and that they had predicted that she would get married later in life to someone with money, <laughs> which well, is like, well, but also like, were you, how later is later? Yeah. And also did it just put the idea in your head? Like, <laughs> it's like, yes, that's exactly what I want to do. Yeah. Um, they start the sound bath and they're really getting like, I, I, cause I, I actually think this is valid. Like in terms of like, they did this, was it Reiki that they did on Roni this season with Uba? I can't remember. It might have been. Might I, have been I think it was practice. just a sound bath. I don't think there was Reiki because I don't think anybody was walking around doing the energy healing with the hands. Right, 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 right. And Toya was like, you can literally feel like a tingling in like your feet and stuff like right. that. So it's like there is some, I, I, I believe in that stuff. I actually yeah. think there's validity to it. Um, but Simone falls asleep, <laughs> which of course. I honestly thought it was going to be Toya that fell asleep. Well, Simone explains, she's like, I'm a doctor. Like if I have an opportunity to close my eyes, I'm sleeping. That's what's That's happening. That's fair. Um, yeah. And so, uh, they get, they then get offered to do like an individual Reiki for anyone who wants it. Everyone's just quiet and heavily goes, I'll do it. Damn. <laughs> like, <laughs> I honestly, I thought sweet tea would have taken her up on that yeah. with all of the problems she's having right well, now. Yeah. Cause she was saying like, like during the joint session that like the, she was hoping it would help with like sort of the like endometriosis stuff and all right. that. Um, but the, as Heavenly's doing her session, she's really, like you said, getting moved by it. Like you could tell she, she says something about like, it feels like warm, but also like pain, like sort of, and that, and that's like the emotions I would assume from like right. her sister and stuff like that. So, you, you know, um, but the other ladies go outside while that's happening to get refreshments and sweet tea tells them and, and thanks them for being so supportive, like through like the journey and stuff like that with like wanting to get pregnant and tells them about like what Dr. Davis said. She said that she, cause I guess the, the, the cysts are like five centimeters, which is like really fucking large. Yeah. Like they're like, you were saying like, like that's like the size of an ovary. Yeah. Like that's pretty bad. Um, and Simone and Jackie both like, yeah, you'll need to take, they'll need to take it out through surgery. And that's probably the process. And like toys, like it does that would then, then give her the chance. And Simone's like, it could give her a chance for the short term, but like, and could come back. Like, right. can, you know, so like, it, and Simone, she says in her confessional about like sort of like you should also look at the option of like surrogacy and look at adoption and sort of like – and but we were also confused of like can she still do egg retrie- retrieval? And see, that's what I'm wondering because if the, cyst, if the cysts – if the endometriosis is just on her ovaries and there's no actual – involvement of her uterus or her cervix or anything in the southern part of the system then i would think that they could still do an egg retrieval and then a uh, a implantation yeah 
You would think because then at that point the uterus can still hold uh, a baby. The issue is that there, if the cysts are on the ovaries, I would think that the issue would be there. Right. But if that's causing there to like be problems with the eggs, then that I understand. Because yeah, I also like in terms of like bleeding, I don't I, like. Would it also affect giving birth? Like, would it, would it put you at a higher risk of like? Um, it could, but my thought is, is that if you did the egg retrieval, can you do an implantation if you have your tubes tied mm. or it, or not tied if they actually remove the ovaries? Yeah. If we have any uh, listeners who are experienced in this topic. Um, I'd love more information. Yeah, genuinely curious because... Yeah, love to because we're two people with no ovaries um, and no uteruses and no vaginas. Um, So we really like while we have listened to a lot of people with that anatomy talk about this. It's really kind of it's a specific question, right? Yeah, and so I'd love a specific answer on what. And I know it's going to be different for every person, but like, what are the opportunities? What are the possibilities in this? And yeah, anybody that's got answer for that, uh, social media or again is mb at gmail dot com. Yeah, um, Phaedra and Heavenly talk a little bit too, like on their own after the session, stuff like that about like her sister and and that. Heavenly, fucking hell, Heavenly going. I've done all I can. I don't know what else to do. I don't know what's wrong with that bitch. I don't. And Phaedra goes. Well, first of all, you got to stop calling her a bitch. Um, <laughs> that would help. Uh, and Phaedra thinks like Heavenly just is like a has a wall. She compares her to an Easter bunny that's like hard on the outside, but once you crack it up and like it melts or whatever, which is like that's not really how an Easter bunny works. But whatever. Easter bunnies are hollow on the inside. Yeah, sure. <laughs> well, maybe that is true. Heavenly, <laughs> I'm just I saying. Think, I, I think that's hard. Uh, harsh. Heavenly has insides. Um, but she Heavenly's like, I don't know if I want to open that can of, can of worms because I may not be able to like put it back right. in. Um, uh, they're talking some more about with Sweetie outside, and Simone says that Greg should get a semen analysis as well. And Jackie's like, it needs to be at least twenty million for sure. And Sweetie goes, he said it was like forty million, and they're all celebrating. And Toya goes, lying like a motherfucker. <laughs> he goes, Jackie said something about. Uh, y'all are married now. He can tell the truth. Yeah, he don't have to lie no more. <laughs> That's funny. And Sweet Tea talks about, like, it does feel like we're, I mean, like a fresh spot with the women where we're bonding. Yeah. And so, and it really felt like that. It was a real, like, again, it wasn't very a dramatic episode, but it was a very, like, delightful conclusion. Right. And again, this, this, feel, this felt like a good friend group. And yeah. like, it seems like it's going to get more dramatic down the line, but like, I thought this was really like a good bonding moment that I think is sometimes really necessary for these shows. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun stuff from Meredith Messon. All right. Let's get into these tops and bottoms. We've got Drag Race. We've got Traders. We've got Married to Medicine. What you thinking, babe? Um, I'll start with my bottom. Shockingly, I'm going to give it to Toya. I really was like, I was very visceral about like the way Toya was like yeah. going about this episode. I think like the stuff with Eugene, like... I don't know. I'm very protective of Eugene first off, but also like, I just didn't think that she was in the right in terms of this argument. And I'm very much a, I, a lot of people are very negative on Toya in a way that yeah. like, I never really felt like I was definitely more team Toya than most. And this, I was like, okay, but you're kind of proven their points in certain ways about like yeah. the materialistic elements and, and things like that. Like, that's not, 
Mm, I think you need to look at the bigger picture. You're 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 in my bottom, but for you know, I I think you can reanalyze things. Hopefully, yeah. And, you know, for at least your own sake. Um, shockingly, I think this may be the only time this is going to happen. My top for this week is Larsa for her role in the trainers. Mm. Like, I think Larsa shocked the hell out of me. Like, I re- like I did not expect her to sort of be as good as she was like, and not to say that she was the best, but like she held her own. And I think it's a big deal. Like that would be literally as much as you don't know much about Dan. If she gets Dan out of this game, that is so embarrassing on Dan's record yeah. like, in terms of like, you know, losing to somebody. Cause like we all thought Larsa was just going to be a, a, you know, doornail basically like this yeah. like whole season. And no, she's actually like, adapting and moving in a way that's really impressive for her. Like, yeah, I, I give her a lot of credit. Yeah. Um, so what about you, babe? What are your tops and bottoms? Um, I'm going to start with my bottom as well. And that's going to go to Trishel. Um, sure. Yeah. That, that very targeted, um, assault on, uh, Peppermint's character was, disgusting yeah honestly and it would be one thing to have that sort of blatant microaggressions when you don't have the history that she has it would still be disgusting and awful and pretty obvious but then on top of her history and her track record it's just no this is not okay right not okay at all um and I, I'm glad that it has been noted by a couple people, um, but far too few and far too many people voted for her when there was no reason to vote for Peppermint. And that was frustrating. Um, so she's my bottom for the week. We we don't deal with transphobic racists very well. <laughs> um my top for the week is going to be Phaedra mm. for both traders and married to medicine. Yeah, definitely a twofer. Yeah. Um, you know, I love when we get a double scoop of Phaedra, um, but she's just, she's always been so dynamic as a character and seeing her really like have this entire year really of a redemption arc. You know, starting over on uh, uh, Housewives, uh, Ultimate Girls Trip, and then coming on to Dubai, and then now we see her on Married to Medicine, and then Traders. She's really going through the the motions of, nah, bitch, I'm back, and I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Um, and she's earned her time on her on our screen, and I'm loving the way that she's. Um, moving on the traders, and I, I love seeing the the side by side behavior between the two shows, and I uh, really am looking forward to more of that development. Hey, thanks for tuning into this episode of A Gay and His Envy. Join us next time for more of our recaps and hot takes, and be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you are listening, and check us out on our social media at A Gay and His Envy on all the platforms. A special shout out to Shane Ivers, who wrote Pulsar, the song we use for our theme. I'm Eamon. I'm Merlin. And And we're we're out. out. This show is a member of the Sorgatron Media Podcast Network.
Find out more at sorgatronmedia.com.